on this week's episode of That One Movie Podcast, Barbenheimer is finally here. We're going to feature our highly anticipated reviews of Barbie and Oppenheimer. We'll start off spoiler-free, and then we'll warn you before we dive into our spoiler-filled discussion. Beforehand, we'll break down the finale of Marvel's Secret Invasion on Disney+. Plus. We're also going to discuss the news from this week in the world of entertainment, including, but not limited to, Dune Part 2 may be getting pushed back to 2024, Updates on Saw 10, or as Holden likes to say, Saw X. A new Lego movie is in the works at Universal. Of course, we'll also share our thoughts on the new trailers for Invincible Season 2. Gen V, The Marvels, The Exorcist Believer. As always, use the time codes in the description to jump around to whatever interests you the most. I'm Jimmy Uthie. I'm Holden Sutter. Take a seat. Grab grab some some popcorn. popcorn, And it's time for Top Baby. I forgot we'd say that in unison. <laughs> that one movie podcast. <laughs> Jimmy, before we talk Barbenheimer, let's do the Toms. Let's do the Toms remotely. Tom's is the rapid fire segment in which we rate the news in the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three mildly famous Tom's, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. Yes, I'm trying to provide some visual aids for the audience members as we go through that in case you don't know these three mildly famous Tom's. Yes, normally we'd be together holding in a room all sweaty. Mm -hmm. Heated yes. discussions. Uh, that's why yes. we get sweaty, but also because the light's baking us. Uh, this time, we are apart. Holden, you're yeah. enjoying the lake life. I'm enjoying just regular life. Yeah, instead I am sweaty in a, in a condo in Iowa right now, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm getting sunburned. We're having some technical issues also, so I am currently recording via my phone, at least video-wise, so that's why I, I've got that upright going <laughs> there we go yeah hopefully yeah hopefully you are able to see the video version of this otherwise we might be audio only that's okay yeah uh, sorry depends for being on how this. the recording turns out <laughs> yeah apologize apologies for being a little delayed on this episode since i was in a family reunion in virginia all of last week of course the most important week in cinema of the entire year great yeah. timing on my <laughs> behalf uh, but we are here better late than never barbenheimer is here of course though we're going to start off with the tums and trailers yes. so our first trailer holden is invincible season mm-hmm. two little teaser trailer holden your thoughts yeah, uh, it doesn't really show us too much. Um, we get a little, like, it looks like Mark's graduation is kind of happening there. I think the principal is voiced by Giancarlo Esposito. It sounds like him. I, oh, I, didn't I guess I that. didn't. I, it kind of sounds like him. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, it shows that. We get kind of glimpses of some action scenes throughout the season, I'm sure. Um, but it's, it's really kind of hammering home just kind of the stacked voice cast that we got here, um, which obviously it, there was already a lot before. You got J.K. Simmons, Stephen Yuen, and a bunch of other people. But now it looks like they're adding even more. They kept Optimus Prime. Names. Yeah, that was the that was the one I was. It throws in Peter Cullen at the end, and then when he's talking, I'm like, yeah, it just sounds like Optimus Prime here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it certainly makes me very excited with the this quite the cast they've got. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, obviously, going to be tons and tons of side characters in this. Doesn't give mm-hmm. anything really away about the second season. Of course, J.K. Simmons coming back as Omni Man. Yes. Um, yeah, I'll, I like how it doesn't give anything away. Just hypes it up the cast. So I'll give that a Brokaw for a teaser for me, Holden. Yep, I'll give it a Brokaw as well. Um, we did get release dates. It looks like they're splitting up the season into two parts, with the first part coming out in November and the second one coming out early 2024. Um, I'm not sure if specific dates were given for either of those, but that's what I saw. So, yeah, getting it uh, later this year. Sweet. Awesome. Next trailer on the docket is the Marvels Holden, or excuse me, yes. Gen V. We're going to talk Gen V Gen first, v. then the Marvels. Gen yes. V, of course, is the spinoff of The Boys on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. A couple Prime teaser trailers here. This one also I don't think gives away a lot. Just a bunch of no random stuff happening. These characters we don't know anything of. Of course, there is some footage from The Boys. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we got a Godolkin University, which is fun <laughs> to say, Godolkin. <laughs> I hope they explain the Godolkin backstory. I don't know who it is, but I'm I'm assuming they have some silly, absurd, uh, probably very controversial controversial uh, backstory in this universe. I think that'd be funny probably. if they explained that. And it's just fun to say Godolkin. But I like this because, uh, again, doesn't give away that much. Just kind of sets the tone. Some sort of Battle Royale, Hunger Games-esque situation going on where you got uh, yeah. the heroes are ranked within the mm-hmm. school kind of like a, a camp a program to groom them to you know if they can withstand this boot camp almost if you will maybe they mm-hmm. can find a way into the seven which would be the ultimate goal but uh lately the, the people in the seven haven't been uh faring as well maybe as they did in the past they're kind of starting no. to drop like <laughs> flies but i i enjoyed this trailer hold on your thoughts yeah, I thought it was very good. I, I think, honestly, what I'm most excited for with this series and, you know, potential of a spinoff in this universe is is just, like, a different perspective that isn't so, like, necessarily so world-altering. Like, the boys is very grand in scale because you're dealing with these big heroes that are, you know, so, you know, important to pop culture and society and everything. But here it's it seems much more, I don't want to say grounded because it still looks very violent and, you know, visually quite intense, but it's, it's a lot more, I I guess I'd say like ground level or whatever. You're dealing with these, these kids with superpowers and them kind of dealing with their growing up in high school and everything more so than than world altering events or whatever. So I, I, it's interesting. Um, the powers look fun. There's a lot of cool kills in the trailer. Um, yeah, I'm very excited for it. Yeah, lower stakes, right? Lower yeah, stakes. Yeah, lower not, stakes. Not, uh, you know, is Homelander going to snap and, and destroy the world sort of thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Much more, you know, maybe um, smaller scope of the story, which I think will mm-hmm. be really interesting. Like you said, a different perspective on this crazy world. I'm sure that the people in this academy are just completely taken for granted and used by the machine that is bought. And I'm looking forward to it, so I'm going to mm-hmm. give it a Broca as well, Holden. Perfect. Broca. Um, nice. Yeah. And then the next trailer is uh, The Marvels, um, which is the next MCU movie um, coming out in November, assuming it doesn't get delayed alongside everything else that's probably going to get delayed. Um, but yeah, uh, we already talked about kind of the teaser trailer. Um, this one is pretty similar, honestly. It doesn't, I don't, doesn't, 
I don't think it really gives away that much more um, from before. It still is focusing on the fact that our three main characters here, whenever they use their powers, they switch spots and um, how they're probably going to utilize that um, for you know navigation and, and combat in the movie might be interesting. Uh, what did you think of the trailer, Jimmy? Yeah, I think the only big difference is we kind of get a uh, glimpse at our villain, I would say, mm-hmm. um, who uh, it's, I, I don't know how to pronounce this actress's name. I'm not familiar with her work. It's Zawe Ashton, something like that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure when I looked her up, she was in Velvet Buzzsaw. That's like That's the only thing I've seen her That's what it says here. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, would, I don't recognize her. Um, She's just she has some sort of vendetta against Captain Marvel. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's really the only newish thing that comes out of this trailer, at least for me, who is yeah. not and doesn't know all the comics and stuff. I think that it, this movie is obviously it's gonna hinge on the ability for them to pull off the chemistry between the three leads uh, of yeah. uh, of Kamala Khan, uh, Carol Danvers, and her what's Monica the other Rambo. One? Monica Rambo. Um, so is that going to be fun? Is that going to be something that we are going to connect with as the audience? Are we going to be uh, like these characters? Are we going to want to root for them? Or is this going to be kind of this forced humor sort of thing that doesn't feel natural, doesn't flow very well? Mm. I think uh, this movie could be really fun. I think it could be really, really cringeworthy if it doesn't come off. So they got to toe that yeah. line. <laughs> I, I hope they obviously do. Uh this trailer, I don't know, it doesn't get me more or less excited for this movie. And I guess because of that, I will give it a Bergeron. Um, you know, we'll obviously see and review this movie um, mm. whenever it does come off. Uh, I, I do think it looks promising, but again, it's 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 a, a neat concept. Can they pull it off? I'm at a Bergeron. Uh, rooting for it, though. Yeah, I'll give it a Bergeron as well, I think. Um, I think probably the another thing that I learned that, it, I mean, you, I guess you probably need context with the Miss Marvel TV series in the trailer, but it looks it looks like the one of the weapons that the villain is using is the armband that Kamala Khan has, um, which that's how she gets her powers is through this, like, this arm bracelet thing that was, like, passed down in her family. And I th- okay. in the series, it's implied there's more than like there's maybe one for each arm, so that might be the other one that she's using. So that's that's really the only other thing I noticed. Um, but yeah, no, I'll I'll give it a brochure on as well. Hopefully, it's good. All right, final trailer this week. Holden is the Exorcist believer. Then I saw yes. your face. Do, 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 do. Now I'm possessed now I'm by a believe- demon. <laughs> All right. Holden, yeah, uh, the- Exorcist Believer. I for- totally forgot this movie was in production. We had definitely talked about yeah. it on this podcast. I still have. have not seen any of the Exorcist movies. The original one has been on my watch list forever. Really? Uh, despite okay. that, I did recognize during the trailer that this was an Exorcist movie when I saw it before Oppenheimer, I think. Um, yeah, that's where I saw it first, too. Because <laughs> the, mu- the music is just so iconic, so... Uh, it's got exorcism stuff. I mean, it's got the, the possessed little <laughs> girls. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this movie's going to do well because uh, as much as we talk about, like, just mining uh, IPs, uh, mm-hmm. they haven't done that. Oh, I should say. They have done that a ton in the horror genre, but I don't think they've 
the, the, I was going to say they have, I'm like, that's definitely not true. But yeah. they, <laughs> the diminishing returns aspect of it, I feel like doesn't impact the horror genre as much as it does other genres. And yeah, I because the budgets that, are much lower. Much lower. Uh, horror movies are kind of cheat codes. Horror movies don't really bomb. No. <laughs> like ever. Uh, <laughs> it's really so, hard for them to. And I think The Exorcist, it being an Exorcist movie is not going to hurt it at all. I don't think people are like, oh, another Exorcist movie. I'm mm-hmm. not going to see that as a horror fan. Like, I, if anything, I think that helps it at this point. Maybe they'll, we, they will get to a point where with diminishing returns there with that IP. But this movie will do well. Will it be any good? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> it just looks like another Exorcist movie, which, again, I haven't seen any of them. Uh, so... Who's involved with this project? Is do we it's, know anybody? <laughs> yeah, so it's directed. I don't know if it's written. It's directed by our our favorite Halloween director, David Gordon Green. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and I think hey, and it's a trilogy. One, he was he's one making. for three on those. He was one for three. So you know what? If that's any sort of track record, this one will be will be pretty good, and then the other two will not. So <laughs> see, <laughs> there we go. Are they doing a whole trilogy of these? Yeah, it's a whole trilogy. And I wrote down here that um, alongside that this week, we got news that the next movie already, uh, it's going to be titled The Exorcist Deceiver. um, And it's releasing in April of 2025. So like a year and a half away. Wow. So, yeah, they're they're going hard on Um, these. Bergeron for me, Olden. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I think I'm at a Bergeron. The trailer, I mean, it it looks like another standard kind of ghost possession thing. You got the uh, Ellen Burst, Bernstein, I think is how you say her name, who's the mom in the first one. Um, she's back, I guess. Um, I don't know what she's doing there, but um, she's a good actress. So yeah, cool. I'll give it a Bergeron. Sweet, Holden. That is enough trailers. Oh, they yes. they have the. Uh, uh, is it? And Dowd from uh, Leftovers and Hereditary. Yes, yes, and Dowd. She's is in, in there. Yeah. I was going to say that. She's awesome. She's, she's always great, unsettling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she's really great at just playing <laughs> disturbing. She's also in Handmaid's Tale, plays a very similar oh, wow. character where she's just like horrible, <laughs> just this horrible, weird lady. So, <laughs> like a Giancarlo Esposito kind of thing. Yeah. All yeah. right, Holden. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some film delays. Hold on, what do you got? Yeah, so I think this is kind of to be expected. I don't remember if we talked about it with the when we talked in depth about the strikes, but um, there are some film delays happening, um, and they're starting now. They're probably going to continue because film studios are going to want to try to draw out what projects they have to meet their get as close as they can to their quarterly projections. I think. Um, so, uh, with Disney, it's, there's just one right now and it's not like it's a big one or anything. It's poor things, which is that Emma Stone Frankenstein movie, which apparently is owned by, it's a Disney movie. Technically it's probably like one of their subsidiary studios, but I was delayed from September to December. Um, Disney is also considering, uh, delaying that wish movie, that new animated movie, uh, next goal wins the Taika Waititi soccer movie, which may never come out. Yeah, Michael Fassbender. Uh, and Magazine Dreams, uh, which is the formerly award... Cont- uh, it was thought to be an award-projected contender for Jonathan Majors, but we'll see about that considering recent uh, 
recent developments there. Um, but yeah, Disney's yeah. considering uh, delaying some of their projects. Um, also, Warner Bros. Um, a delayed Challengers, uh, which is that Zendaya uh, tennis movie from September yep. to April of next year. Uh, and they are also, unfortunately, probably I'm. I'm guessing I'm an I'm an, a pessimist in this regard. I'm guessing they're going to be delaying Dune Part Two, Aquaman Two, and The Color Purple. Those were ones that were that were uh, reportedly being uh, suggested to be delayed. So nothing's confirmed. But if I were a betting man, I would be betting that they're going to get delayed, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah, that this Dune is Part like I said, two summer next year. You think? If it gets delayed, yeah, that would be my guess. Because I don't know what else. I don't even know what Warner Bros. has completed. That would probably be. That could be like their big summer movie, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Be unfortunate though, because so looking forward to it. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like I mean not not quite on the scale yet of like COVID or anything. But it, I feel like we're gonna kind of like it during COVID when we would talk about movie delays all the time. I wouldn't be surprised if that's gonna happen over the next few weeks or months or whatever again we'll see but i these are i'm guessing these are mainly like a result of the strikes of the actors and the writers yep yeah it's it seems to be my i i mean my cynical the cynical part of me wants to say it's because they they just want to spread out what money they know they can make over the course of the year or whatever it could also just be because like the actors you know while they're on strike they can't promote anything so you know Mm -hmm. Let, delaying it until potentially the strike is over would probably result in higher financial returns. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say for sure, but um, it is unfortunate regardless just because, you know, some of these movies I'm looking forward to seeing. But also, yeah. it, it, but also I don't want the strike to end for any bad reason. So if, it, if it's because of the strike, it is ultimately for a good cause. I whim at a Bergeron for this, I guess. Um, obviously, it'd be nice if we could have avoided this strike altogether, but with the reality of it, it does make sense to have movies spread out because why mm-hmm. would you compete them against each other if there's going to be nothing coming out? And uh, as people who do a podcast over movies, it would be nice if there were movies that came out. So Bergeron yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a Bergeron too. All right. Jimmy, next up, we have some news for Saw X, as I will say, and continue to Socks. say Saw X. <laughs> Socks. Um, it's interesting. So we got a little bit of plot details here. It's going to be an interquel set between the first two Saw films. Um, it follows Jigsaw as he travels to Mexico in hopes of finding a new treatment for his terminal cancer and unleashes his twisted idea of justice when he discovers a medical scam preying on the less fortunate um in addition to all of that the release date for the movie has actually been moved up like a whole month it's coming out out in september september 29th so wow no longer no longer competing with uh five nights at freddy's instead it's competing with the creator <laughs> the creator so, oh no. yeah uh, yeah, I thought I saw that it was coming out the same day as the Paw Patrol movie. I think it's I, those all three might be coming out the same day. Saw Patrol. See, I'd rather saw do the uh, the creator. I th- why would you not market alongside the creator? Because I think that movie is going to draw more people than um, 
<laughs> than Paw Patrol. Okay, yeah. that's a, we'll have that discussion in a second. But uh, Interquil, okay, didn't know that mm-hmm. was a word. Um, yes. Great, I guess. I uh, don't <laughs> think he's going to find the treatment based on what happens in the series. <laughs> no. <laughs> but in Mexico, you know, this the uh, social, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, commentary that's going to go on in this movie I'm sure will be great obviously yes, top tier from a social saw commentary. movie <laughs> well so I think I it's funny because I, I think it's funny because it, it seems to be focusing on like a medical scam when th- the same director directed Saw 6 which focuses on a guy who scams people with health care like <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like uh, Kevin I can't remember how to pronounce his last name the director of Saw 6 in this one uh, he's he's got a he's got a thing for uh, for maybe he's got a vendetta against healthcare professionals or something. I guess so I <laughs> Look, I'm obviously excited for Socks, so I'm gonna give it a Brokaw, yes. Holden. Yeah, I'll give it a Brokaw too. And I this this just makes me more excited because I've always said you need to just add more movies to complicate the timeline. That's the when Saw has been the best yes. is when yes. it's just absurd. And having having this be an interquel in between one and two, great. That also makes sense because I think it was previously announced that the lady who plays Amanda is coming back. So oh, great, yeah, it makes sense she's in this movie. Now that they're all um, 20 years older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, that reminds me, there's that bit, and I think it's the seventh movie, which I can't remember if you've, have you seen the seventh one? I've seen the ending of it. Not okay, the, thing, the seventh one has the bit where there's the flashback of Jigsaw meeting like the main victim, and he's just wearing a backwards baseball cap, and that's how he's younger. <laughs> <laughs> that's like how, that's how they make him look younger. It's really funny. Well, they did that in Spiral as well, so. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a awesome. reference. Uh, we'll talk about Saw Patrol when we talk about Barbenheimer box office. I think that'll be a natural <laughs> discussion there. But let's talk about this new Lego movie, Holden. Yes. Yeah. Um, new Lego movie. So um, we talked about. I think it was like a few years ago. So after Lego Movie Two didn't do the best, uh, Warner Bros. kind of let go of the Lego Movie rights, and now Universal has them has had them for a few years. I think they have a five-year exclusivity deal, and it's been three years. Like they're, they're already most of the way through this deal. Anyway, they're making their first moves on a new Lego movie after signing that exclusivity deal. It's going to be developed by Adam and Aaron Nee. I wasn't really familiar with their work. I know they made The Lost City from like last year, which I never saw. Another movie called Band of Robbers. They were also making a he-man and the masters of the universe live action movie for netflix but i just saw this week that that got canceled so that whatever um anyway uh apparently this movie is going to be hybrid animated live action is what i was seeing so it's not going to be like in the same vein as the other lego movies it's going to be different not going to bring back chris pratt or anything sounds like yeah probably not probably a reboot or whatever direction they decide to go Mm -hmm. yeah what do you think of this, Jimmy? I don't necessarily like that. I don't like the hybrid. I'm going to go. No. Uh, I think that's a bad idea. I think I'm going out of Pompadour. Lego Movie 2 is a good movie. That was like the yeah. first movie we reviewed, I think, on the yeah, podcast. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it was a shame. Uh, that underrated movie. So underrated movie. Um, thought it was pretty good. It's weird that it's been so long since a Lego movie has come out. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
obviously open-minded to it, but uh, I think it's a shame that they're not continuing on with the, those fun adventures of Owen or whatever the main character's name was, was with Chris Pratt. <laughs> was it Owen? No, Owen is his character in Jurassic World. <laughs> <laughs> it's Elliot, I think. Elliot. Elliot, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go <laughs> a Bombadil, but I'm open to open to a Bergeron. Kind of in between those, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think I'm more on a Bombadil side just because I I just don't see how they could top the Lego movie for like an like a rebooted series, right? Like it's I mean, you have the Lord and Miller names attached, which obviously made the writing a lot really fun and witty and everything. But just the creativity with the visuals and everything. And I don't think you're going to get that from live action animation hybrid. I, I don't know. I once again, I want to be optimistic so hopefully it's good, but uh, I'll I'll stick with a Bombadil for now. Yeah. All right, next story, Holden, AMC. What's going on there? Yeah, uh, so previously uh, we talked, this was like probably a year or two ago, we talked about what AMC was looking at charging different prices for different uh, seats in the theater. So like if you were to be closer to the screen, it'd probably cost less. Maybe those those prime middle rows would be the most expensive or whatever. Um, and I seem to recall thinking that was a dumb idea just in general. Uh, I don't remember what you thought about it or if you even remember talking about it, Jimmy. Um, but yeah, anyway, AMC is no longer doing that. Uh, they had previously, the previously announced initiative was apparently rolled out in select cities, I assume like the larger kind of areas. Uh, but the company found out that there is like no interest in this, that just people were not taking to sitting in the front still <laughs> at all. Yeah. People were just like sitting in the normal priced seats and didn't care about anything else. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not happening anymore, which, yeah. In my opinion, I think is is okay. I, I mean, I guess on one hand, if it was like normal pricing for the back seats and the front seats were a little cheaper, I wouldn't mind that. But if yeah. it's like if it's like prime seating is more expensive, that kind of stinks. Um, so I guess I'm I probably overall I'm kind of glad this is it's not like a precedent or like something that people are gonna like theater companies are gonna try to keep doing. But. Yeah. Well, I. I almost feel like the what people would try to do is get a cheaper ticket in the front and then try to sit somewhere in the back. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. The conflicts. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It it I mean it it exists in like sporting events and concerts and stuff. So it there's like sen- there's like common sense to it. Yeah. But I don't. It just doesn't like movie theaters aren't ever that full unless it's like you know this last weekend. <laughs> you know. So it's yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I get the logic behind it, but the actual execution of it, I'm not sure if it's worth the hassle of doing all that and might create more uh, issues than providing solutions to problems that don't maybe necessarily exist. I guess, you know, making movies more affordable, they try and, you know, trying to make movies more affordable is never uh, a bad thing. No, I don't no. think, but maybe seeking other solutions may be more viable in this case. So, uh, they gave it a old, good old college try. Not doing it anymore. I'll go Bergeron on this one. I didn't feel too strongly about it. Didn't affect uh, me at uh, at our local theaters. Um, no, nope. but I'm okay with this not becoming a trend uh, of the paying per seating. So that's where I'm at. Bergeron. 
Yeah, I definitely think like sporting events and like concerts and stuff are, I mean, first of all, the venues are usually much bigger and, you know, um, they're kind of just a bigger deal in general. I think if you were to go to one of those rather than a movie. So it kind of makes more sense in that regard for those types of events rather than a movie. But um, I'll probably go, I think I'll go Bergeron leaning more Brokaw, but yeah, I'll just stick with the Bergeron. Nice. Um, and then I, I probably could have lumped this in with the uh, dates earlier, but, uh, we mentioned the other week about the Borderlands movie, just like not nothing coming out about it. It is now officially coming out August 9th of next year. So yeah, we are getting the Borderlands wow. movie. Let's see if it's good. <laughs> see if Color it's me good. uninterested, Holden Bergeron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a Bergeron too. Um, yeah. Jimmy. So amidst all of these strikes and everything, uh, Netflix has posted a job listing for an AI product manager with a potential salary of 900 grand, (laughs) which is insane. That's crazy. Um, I just wrote this down here. I didn't write down exactly what it, what it was they were doing. Cause the, the wording I remember being kind of vague, it wasn't very specific as to what their job was other than working with machine learning with their algorithms and stuff. Um, but I just wrote, I wanted to write this down cause it seems a bit tone deaf <laughs> to yeah. write this to, to make an AI job that they get paid this amount of money when, theoretically they could be paying their other people more money <laughs> I, don't I know. suppose it i suppose it depends on the context of it right mm-hmm. because if it's if it's concerning like creation of media on netflix yeah then that's a broke off for me like or excuse me a bombadil for me <laughs> do not say i don't be paying someone to develop ai to come up with new media sort of things mm-hmm. on netflix now, if it's just like improve the algorithm sort of thing, then I don't really care as much. That's more of a Bergeron for me. Sure. Because, you know, if you're trying to enhance the service that way and you think AI can do that, I don't really have a problem with that. Um, to understand AI, I'm sure that's really complicated at that level. So if you want to pay someone 900K for that, maybe it <laughs> takes a lot of schooling. Maybe you got to be super duper smart to do that. Uh, if they're going to reap a lot of rewards from that, I don't have necessarily a problem with that person getting financially rewarded for doing something that maybe a lot, uh, not a lot of people could do. But again, yep. if it's uh, media creation, they're trying to get rid of the you know actual working creative people. That would be a bombadil for me. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that was pulled out of context or whatever. Uh, as someone who doesn't know a ton about that situation uh, here, that's where I will land on that. Holding your thoughts. I, I think for me, I, I'll, I, you're kind of right. It does depend on context. I'm going to probably lean more Bombadil personally just because I, I think. Because you're a sensationalist. Just, no, it's just like it's. That I what you learned like in your journalism timing. degree over there? <laughs> no. I, uh, no, I just think it is, it's, it's poor timing on Netflix's part regardless. Like I, I feel like even if the job is not content creation they maybe could have held off on on you know making this a big public thing i don't know yeah um but at the same time i don't know if they need a if they need someone immediately it's it's also hard to tell how better they could do that but i i'll be uh i'll make i'll stand my ground i'll say bombadil so (laughs) sweet um 
But Jimmy, uh, I wrote this down thinking it was going to be a transition, but real forgetting that we also have to talk about Secret Invasion in between. So pretend like I'm reading this after Secret Invasion, and this is a perfect okay. transition into Bar- our Barbenheimer discussion. Uh, Barbenheimer has been smashing records this last weekend. Mm-hmm. It is crazy um, how well this weekend has been for the movies. Um, I wrote down, and this is this. It's probably the craziest part to me. It's the fourth biggest box office weekend ever. Like ever. this is yeah, just flat out. Um, so obviously it's two movies combined, but still like it's it's the fourth biggest box office weekend, only behind the opening weekends for Infinity War, Endgame, and Force Awakens, which are yeah. three of the biggest movies and releases of all time. So is the this fact just that we have, domestically or is this international? Do you know? I believe uh, domestically. At least for yeah, in that uh, in that metric. All right. Um, but still, that's insane. Like these, it, we'll talk about it more when we talk about those movies. But like these are two movies that are not like part of a series or anything. Like it's more more original, even though you know one's a historical figure, one is a toy. But still, um, Barbie's opening weekend alone ended around three hundred fifty million worldwide, which is huge. That's crazy. Yeah. Oppenheimer is also big, uh, bigger than proje- both of these are bigger than projected originally. Oppenheimer had around 160 million worldwide. Um, and Barbie, I wrote down, uh, had the biggest opening weekend of any non sequel, remake, or superhero movie, just flat out, as well as any movie by a female director. And Oppenheimer had the biggest uh, non Batman opening for a Nolan movie. Wow. So impressive. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it is it's just insane to me. Like this is it's marketing genius. And it wasn't like it it was completely accidental, really. I mean, sure the companies leaned into it as it became more of a thing, but like it's just crazy what like these these freak kind of pairings can do. I've compared it oftentimes in my I've been comparing it in my head to like when uh, in video games at the beginning of the pandemic when Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing released on the same day. This is on a bigger scale than that, but there was a lot of cross-marketing between those two since Doom Eternal is this huge violent shooter game. Animal Crossing is this nice little relaxing, you know, re- uh, whatever, Animal Crossing, farming. I don't know. I don't play Animal Crossing. <laughs> but, um, but I think both of those games also did a lot better probably because of that cross-marketing than without. So this is just that on a bigger scale, and it's it's just insane to me. What do yeah. you think, Jimmy? And I'm I'm sure Hollywood's going to take away all the right messages from this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is a perfect storm that I do not think will be replicated anytime no. soon. I think no, this is a, yeah, it's okay. just wild. I mean, this is insane. I have not seen movie theaters this insane. Mm-hmm since the dark knight came out i think because that was just a ma- i mean that was insane it was mm-hmm. you couldn't get a ticket to the dark knight back yeah. in the, back when that came out which was crazy um it domestically in the united states and obviously this being two movies so i saw i went to so i was on this in, in virginia on a family reunion i didn't know if i was even going to get to see one of these movies this weekend i thought i'd maybe have to see it earlier in the week here um, I end up going to Barbie Sunday night, and mm-hmm. this is a suburb of Richmond, Virginia, and it was 
bonkers. There were people <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. We got inside in this massive foyer. You know, there were five lines to get. To, they were selling concessions <laughs> and tickets at the same place. Five lines all the way to the door. You know, forty plus feet long. Five lines. Mm-hmm. People going. You know, outside. It was. It was one of those things that, like, when COVID happened, it was like this scenario is never going to happen again. Like, no, sort of deal. Like, no. And here we are, insane. And um, we did not move an inch for thirty minutes. <laughs> did not move. There were nowhere. Didn't get anywhere. And um, I it was a Regal Cinema, so I would download the app, and it wasn't working. And then I went online, and eventually I was able to get tickets for like a, an hour later showtime than we were planning on, and they were off to the side in the front, and insane. <laughs> bonkers just wild uh there and then coming back into uh, sioux falls south dakota went to oppenheimer on monday afternoon monday Mm -hmm. at like two o'clock there was a line to get your picture (laughs) taken in front of the barbie poster a line And I got a kick out of this. There were two little, little like Asian grandmas in front of me in line to go get their tickets. And they're like just confused at what is happening. <laughs> uh, they get up to the counter. Guess what movie they're going to, Holden? These, these two Asian grandmas on a Monday afternoon. Okay. I'm guessing it's neither of those two movies. It is not Barbie or Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else is, uh, were they seeing, was it Mission Impossible? Nope, it was Insidious. <laughs> they were going oh, to Monday Insidious, the red key or door or whatever the new red one is. Door. Um, and <laughs> and, and they're like, they're asking the concessions guy, they're like, what is going on? And they're like, oh, Barbie and Oppenheimer came out and people are going to that. Insane. And then <laughs> last night, I went to Barbie again uh, with, with Emily and then my parents. Um, and was like when we got there i was like oh my gosh wait a second tuesday is discount day so this was tuesday oh, oh and it was in, like it was absolutely insane once again had to get online <laughs> get because there's no way you could stand in line and, and wild i have not seen movie theaters like this in a very long time uh really exciting honestly just really yeah. cool to see people totally. dressing up uh people getting really into uh the shenanigans and the hype of what is what has happened this last week so holding your experience yeah uh no it's totally it's similar I, I mean i went to the thursday night showing for both of these i did the double feature did oppenheimer first and then barbie um and i dressed up for both actually i did a quick change in between the movies <laughs> I went with some of my friends and we thought it would be kind of fun to do that. So I, I wore this like full black suit, just kind of, you know, normal formal attire for Oppenheimer. And then I went and dressed up kind of like a cowboy Ken uh, for Barbie. And it was it was so much fun. It was I it wasn't like super packed. I honestly I was kind of surprised, especially after hearing later, like how busy it was. It was busy, but I think Thursday night was still like a good night to go because like people were just going to wait for the weekend or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was there were still a lot of people there. There were still a lot of people dressed up there. Um, and yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Really great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, look, Hollywood they're going to try to recreate this. They're already trying it with Saw Patrol, 
which mm-hmm. is Saw 10 and Paw Patrol. So now we can talk about kind of why we think this worked. And obviously, these movies are very different from each other, but I do think like they're appealing enough to general audiences yes. that they, they're still, like the audience can overlap. Whereas with Saw, with Saw Patrol, like, Paw Patrol the movie is not the same demog like it's just clearly no. not the same the demographic For as just little kids as uh, Paw Patrol. So yeah, Saw no, and it's- Paw Patrol. I, I just that one is like I don't I don't think that's gonna work. I don't I I can see select very very minor uh, group minority group going to that, but it's it's gonna be nowhere near this level. Well, yeah, and it's like. Saw and Paw Patrol just in general like not only do they not overlap in in fan bases but they also just have more niche fan bases like Oppenheimer like probably the majority of people who win I mean sure you have people that want to see a good biopic but most people see the Christopher Nolan name and just want to go see it for that Um, and then Barbie I mean has just had great marketing in general the trailers have looked at like a lot of fun I mean you'll have people that know who Greta Gerwig is but then um, I would say probably the majority of it is just the great marketing they've been doing. And that's why the hype for that movie has been so high. Um, and so those movies are just more broad in general. Um, and Saw is like for people who like just messed up like horror movies and yeah. just like, and, I, and also I've been like probably catching up with it for all this time. And then Paw Patrol is exclusively for little kids, most likely. Um, yeah, it's just it's not going to be the same. I mean, maybe it would maybe it'll help a little bit, but it is a perfect storm here. It was also I think part of it is also that it was accidental. Like and it's not it like it was like an internet. It was like the public's thing before it was the company's thing, really. Yeah, I mean it like, started off with the joke of like me and the boys getting our tickets to Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> like going out to the ticket counter getting Barbie instead of going to Oppenheimer like the yeah. really like masculine movie. Yeah, it's like um, the the Robert I I like the one where it's the Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe from the Lighthouse like two tickets to Barbie, please. <laughs> yeah. But so Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it's this is going to be like one of those things that we just remember. I think it honestly helped Oppenheimer more than it's helped Barbie. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I agree. Like these movies would have done well individually, but since they have come out the same weekend, ironically, they're doing even better. Mm-hmm. Um, which is weird, and I don't know if we will ever see anything like this ever again because it would just no. it just was a perfect storm, and any time that it. Like it just happened. It just happened. And now when it's mm-hmm. going to be, it was all kind of natural. And now that it's going to be tried, you know, forced on us by the studios, it's just not going to work. I don't think I, I'm highly skeptical that we will see anything like this again anytime soon. No, um, maybe decades along the line. But I, I just don't think it'll be like an annual like, oh, here's our odd pairing kind of double feature sort of thing. But maybe I don't know. I guess uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but here's the deal, Holden. People are trying to understand why this did so well. Obviously, you have the, the social media stuff, but uh, people are like, well, see, you just need original movies, Holden. Original movies is why these are doing so well. But uh, there's been some been a bunch of original movies that have absolutely not done well, too. I yeah. think the reason these movies are doing well is the social media, but also they're good. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, well, like, if they weren't good, people wouldn't be going to both of them. I honestly think that the success of these two, and not only have they been making a lot of money, like, the, like audiences love both of them, which is, I mean, even crazier, I think, for, like, Oppenheimer, that, like, everyone seems to love it. I'm kind of surprised that everyone seems to love it. My parents <laughs> like, did not like Oppenheimer very much. Okay, interesting. But, but they're in the minority um, there. Yeah, but I think that com- those that combined with the fact that we have all of these big budget movies coming out that are flopping and the strikes and everything, like there's a lot of comparisons that can be drawn between this and like the 60s, um, which I think I may have mentioned before, but I think the success of Oppenheimer and Barbie are just showing I'm hoping that it show it it shows studios to take more risks, maybe because I think that might that might be the way to go for right now. We'll see. As you said, a lot of original movies haven't been doing the best, but we are kind of at a turning point too. So we'll see. Audiences look. Here's the reality of it, and I don't know if Hollywood has realized this or not, but people go to good movies. People are not showing up for bad movies anymore. Like mm-hmm. people just aren't going to mediocre movies anymore. They're too yep. like people look at rotten tomatoes scores before they yep. go to movies anymore. If that is not above 80%, their chances of going to the movie have plummeted. Like mm-hmm. people are just not like streaming has made things so convenient that if a movie is not good, what is the point of going to see it in the theater? Exactly. And, and these studios have pin themselves into this corner and they need to realize this that more important than anything else it it does not matter what the ip is it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if it's a sequel if it's original the movie has to be good so that's like when james gunn is like look the problem with superhero movies isn't superhero fatigue it's that people aren't making good movies yeah guardians of the galaxy (laughs) 3 did wonders because it was a good movie you know like puss in boots 2 who on earth thought that was going to do well? That movie did amazing because people are like, holy smokes, yeah. this is good. You got to go see this. And it takes off. Um, movies like that, I mean, just word of mouth is doing wonders for mm-hmm. for different things. And, and then you look at Indiana Jones and it's a bomb because people saw it, the Rotten Tomatoes score and like, eh. Heard it wasn't that great. What's the point? It's going to be on Disney Plus anyway. And yeah, it's just this wait franchise till it's on Disney you know, Plus. It's old. So just you you got to make a good, good movie and then people will show up first mm-hmm. and foremost. And sometimes they don't show up to good movies either. Uh, so but if it's not good, it's not going to have a chance. I don't think that's the no, uh, not really. That's the shame in that. So that's that's my takeaway from it. We'll see what happens. I think uh, we'll starting the Mattel haunted mansion. <laughs> 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 uh, the ha- haunted mansion is just gonna get buried. Oh my gosh! Although yeah. I guess there's what is there really a kids movie out right now? I mean, there's Kraken Lady. That's already on streaming. That's already that, on that, streaming. Yeah, that was that was Elemental. there and gone. Ele- and Elemental it's might gone. still be around. We do have next week. I think is TMNT. So there's that. I guess, but not that's not next week. I mean, the week after this upcoming week. You're saying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The week after this upcoming week. Okay. But so, maybe yeah. some Haunted Mansion might do a little bit with families. Yeah. But uh because I don't really Mission Impossible Seven, 
which is just getting smoked by this too. Mission Impossible yeah. Seven is by far the biggest loser of the like of underperforming. I think. Yeah, because it's actually I'm guessing good. Their tickets just plummeted after la- that week. Yeah, um, which is a shame, but yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, it's just weird that this huge, successful bring everybody back to the theaters moment happens right after everybody goes on strike, and now we won't be getting new movies. <laughs> yeah, it's after it the next kinda, like kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, but oh. so there we go, Holden. Let's talk about Secret Invasion, huh? Yeah, let's do it. All right, uh, Secret Invasion. Um, so since we're recording, it's on a over, weird... Holden. It's over. Yes, we. Uh, it's a, we're recording yeah, it ended. on Wednesday. The, the benefit of us. The, well, I'm sorry, we keep stepping over each other. We're not used to doing this That's... remotely anymore. But it's over. It ended. Yeah. Right. The mm-hmm. benefit of us doing this later is now we can. Uh, review the finale to this and not uh, keep you waiting. And uh, yeah, we did they, it. <laughs> I, it. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say, uh, oof. <laughs> 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 I think this show kind of died in the whimper. Unfortunately, yeah, it's. I I don't think I don't I don't think it ever got that bad. But there's there's a lot of missed potential here and. Uh, we can talk specifically about that. Um, we'll we'll probably just kind of lump these two episodes together. Uh, I don't necessarily yes, absolutely. we don't necessarily need to go bit by bit. Um, but yeah, it's I I never I'm still probably more positive than negative on it. But I think uh, okay, I'll, just to get my overall sense, I'll give you my rating. My rating for the show is probably like a six out of ten. I think okay. Um, it's it's. This is spoilers again, by the way. Yes, full spoilers for the show. Um, And I think a lot of that positivity is more towards the beginning of the series than towards the end. Um, Absolutely. But I think one thing we can start with is apparently Talos is actually dead. (laughs) Right? Yeah. See, that that was the problem. I was like, you can't fake kill off a character and then actually kill off the character in the same... Nevertheless, like the same series, the same exact episode, it just loses mm-hmm. all the weight, and because you're not, you don't know if they're actually dead. And oh, he is actually dead. I didn't feel well, no, any of it that. wasn't the it's same. Just it wasn't the same character because at the at the beginning it was Gaia, right? Of that okay. episode that we thought he died. Regardless, Maybe. I, but I don't know. Your point still you're, stands. Whatever. You're, that's that's probably that's right. Thank you for the correction there. But you can't kill off a character and bring him back and then kill off another character and expect me to feel the weight of the, that character getting killed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just didn't feel any of that at all. Yes. Yeah, no, it, it was weird because I kept like, I mean, we'd predicted that Talos or Talos. I can't remember how you say his name. Is it Talos? I'm just going to say Talos. Talos. We assumed Talos? that Talos was actually dead. Yeah. But again, we didn't know. So Yeah. I honestly kept waiting for him to come back, even though I assumed he was dead. And so it honestly caught me by surprise when by the end he just hadn't come back yet. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, that was, I don't know, interesting, I guess. Um, Well, yeah, I don't know. Gravik, okay, we can talk about Gravik a bit. Um, I don't think he necessarily became less interesting, but it was like, I I just didn't. I do. I (laughs) do. Okay. Well, I, I think I, I think they just are like, oh, now he's just evil. I mean, yeah. like, not not like blow up an orphanage, but it's like you can't question my command, and I'm just gonna kill you now. 
and and now I'm just mean to everyone and nobody likes me anymore. Yeah, I he just he he did just seem to become more ruthless kind of for no reason. Uh I mean and he was shown to be a little bit that way before, but yeah, his his leadership was just, you know, couldn't question it or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. He's um by the way, guy guy who plays Gravik is in like everything now. Uh, cuz he was in he was Barbie. He was in Barbie. And yeah. he's he's doing that Bob Marley movie. He's Bob Marley okay. in that <laughs> that tra- I think we, we saw that before Mission Impossible or whatever. Uh, yeah. His performance was still good, but yeah, what he had to work with towards the end was just not the best. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. What else? I just, I just became so disinterested with what was happening over these last two episodes. Mm-hmm. I just found them like I just thought they were so boring, to be honest with you. I'm like, <laughs> I do not care anymore. This is not interesting me at all. I felt like things just kept like they weren't even that long episodes. They were like 30. No, they were both five minutes about. And I'm just like I, this. I don't care. Like, what are we doing here? It just things were drawn out like, OK, we've known that Rhodes has been a scroll for a few episodes now and just kept being drawn out the one character i actually did enjoy was olivia coleman's character i thought she was yeah. interesting throughout <laughs> i thought yeah she was great i wish we got more of her honestly but like when she was there i liked how she was just like killing scrolls <laughs> like i think that was the second to just last episode ruthless. yeah she was just like hunting down scrolls that entire like second to last episode and um and her like kind of trickery in the last episode too yeah she was she was great i loved her and I get the sense she's she's going to be around in the future. So that's cool. She's good. Ah, boy. Uh, there was just a big CGI slugfest. <laughs> yeah. And which, I, I guess it's more creative than just the lasers and stuff that we've seen in the other shows. But I just did. I was like this. I don't like this. Well, and it's, I, it, I maybe it, like the idea of it more than the actual execution of it. But it just seemed like a really expensive waste of money. <laughs> well, it, that that whole fight, like it's, I don't know. I it, it's kind of it, the stakes don't seem very like it's it's hard to get too invested because it's just two characters that have like all of these powers, right? Like they can just do basically anything that you've seen any of these superheroes do before. And so they're just like, they're just flying around, crashing into buildings, man of steel, or crashing into like chimneys, man of steel style. And like, it's, yeah, it's whatever. You don't really feel any sort of, you know, you don't, you're not scared for Gaia at any moment. And then she just blasts him with a laser and he's just dead for some reason. (laughs) And he doesn't heal like he healed the other times. He gets shot in the face. And it's half his face blown off, but he can heal from that. But he gets shot mm-hmm. through the center of his body, and he can't heal from that for whatever reason. Um, oh, nice little twist that it was uh, Gaia instead of Nick Fury. You know? Yeah, I was. But, uh, I, I was kind of wondering I, when that when that started. I'm like, well, why would Nick Fury willingly just go to this place that's completely irradiated? Yeah, like, that doesn't make any sense. And then okay, so it was <laughs> Gaia, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But um, um, yeah, I I just just like I I, I felt like the the just I didn't I just lost so much interest in the show. I'm like, well, World War Three is not going to start, so no. 
that's too high of stakes. And Talos is dead. I mean, I like mm-hmm. Amelia Clark's character, but I don't know. I just, I, I did not feel that invested. I thought Nick Fury's relationship with his wife was kind of all over the place for me. Yeah, especially, yeah. Like they seemed to the want to develop it, but they didn't, they didn't really develop it more. I thought, I thought there was just like a lot of random just talking scenes in this too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It just kind of unraveled for me, these last two episodes. I thought these were the worst two episodes. I, I thought the first three were very solid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last three were just kind of all over the place for me, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm especially that way with these last two. Um, yeah. And I think one of the things that I kind of made me almost angry about the last episode was like they introduce at the very end and it's, it's, it's supposed to be like, Oh, this is what's going to be happening after the series or whatever. Um, but they're like, Oh, people are just like killing people because they think they're scrolls or whatever. I'm like, yeah. why was this not part of the show? <laughs> Like, yeah. this is way more interesting. This seems like it would make, even if it's not like the whole plot, like you could just have like a scroll reveal, you know, president announces it to the people, episode four or whatever. Then you have the last two episodes and it focuses a lot on just these random people getting killed because they're suspected of being scrolls. There's yeah. a lot you can do there. And that could have been like a focus here, but instead it's just at the end. And my guess is it's not going to play that big. I mean, they might mention it down the line sometime, but it's not going to be the focus of anything. Well, I mean, even as a, as a narrative device, you would think like, okay, as someone being a scroll Mm -hmm. and you like the fact that we just saw that Colonel Rhodes was a scroll, just like completely dissipates any sort of dramatic tension that mm-hmm. we would feel because if if Nick Fury or whoever is going to shoot him in the face yeah you have to be 100% sure that you got it right and so for that to just be revealed to without a doubt mm-hmm. that doesn't have any tension for us or, or for the we don't feel any of that and it seems like a really big wasted opportunity that you wouldn't have a moment like that where Nick Fury or Gaia or someone has to make a very critical decision mm-hmm. based on whether they think someone is a scroll or not. And if you get that decision wrong, how yeah. do you, you know, how do you recover from that, you know, emotionally, mentally and forgive yourself? I mean, it just feels why would you not have that opportunity or or use that narrative that device yeah. in in the show where it just seems like so obvious and then they just kind of throw it in there at the end um reminds me in i think in season two of the boys they they have like a conspiracy guy go and he, when he kills the gas station oh yeah yeah that's right um better implemented there than here as just kind of like a throwaway thing and the ramifications of it you it just it feels really weird that they wouldn't implement that into the show mm-hmm. um missed opportunity uh I thought the action sequences were just like we need an action sequence, so here we go. I thought there's, yeah. Even though the context for it was not not great for the villains, I, I thought the one where he was like fighting, where Gravik was fighting the other scrolls in the compound. I think that was episode five. I thought that one was pretty good. That was kind of fun. There were some interesting things they did there with the choreography and camera work, but 
yeah, most of it was just kind of, especially in this these last few episodes, were just kind of bland. So, I didn't, uh, I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I, so I've been kind of, I've been curious to see what people's reactions are for this season finale online. So I've been like looking gauging some interest and one of the things i've been seeing that people are like angry about is that it it's and i don't know entirely how it's implied but people seem to be under the impression that Rhodey has been a scroll since like civil war and i think the okay. reason why it's implied is because at the end of civil war that's when, or in civil war that's when he gets like shot in the chest by vision and so he gets like put in the hospital at the end of that and then when he wakes up here he's in a hospital gown Okay. So, um, people are like angry that he in like Endgame and whatever is then likely a scroll, and so then he didn't, you know, didn't, you know, experience Tony's death or whatever, and that that. But I don't know. For me, I'm like, I like Don Cheadle. Rhodey has never been the most interesting character, so I don't like. I don't no. really like. I, that doesn't really matter to me. If anything, it's a it's a cooler idea for me that is kind of wasted because then it's like, Oh, well the scrolls have been around for a while now. And it kind of makes that kind of interesting context, even if it's not executed the best. So I don't know. I, I didn't totally get that criticism on my end, but I don't, I don't really care. I don't, they didn't really define when it started, what it ended. They just said, you've been a, you've been captive for a long time or whatever. they said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know it that what that is what it is yeah I like you said not a character I'm super invested in yeah um what else um they the government has the Avengers DNA whatever <laughs> I guess I mean I guess that kind of I I'm not like I guess that kind of makes sense I don't understand why it's all in one vial though I don't. Why is why is all of the DNA DNA just in one little vial? That's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, it makes it convenient for a MacGuffin, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just think this is a missed opportunity. They could have yeah. been. It could have been the thing, times the Avengers, and it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I and that's I what it could have been building up to. Oh, yeah, I'm of the uh, opinion that your idea from like the beginning of the show is way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, which even though even when you said it, I didn't think it was gonna happen. So you know, I already kind of expected that. But I, yeah, still like that would have been way cooler to do something like that. But whatever, I guess. Oh, and then I, the I guess the one last thing I'll mention is Fury at the end is just like, oh, the Kree are in talks to make peace with you guys. Okay. <laughs> glad that was that happened nice. off screen <laughs> yeah well that is what it is i i honestly yeah. don't have that much to say about these the two episodes i just was like wow that's how it ended okay yeah Done. no i'm kind of the now same I can way just, i literally watched this like two hours ago and i cannot tell you what even happened in half of it because <laughs> i just was so uninterested which is too bad because i did really enjoy this the setup i thought uh amelia clark was good yeah she seems she like she'll be coming back now that she just has all the superpowers. So that's nice. Yeah. I'm curious how they're going to nerf her in that regard. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the one thing that remained pretty consistent is performances were pretty good, even if the characters didn't always have the best to work with. Everyone, I mean, that that goes with most of these Marvel projects. They all kind of give it their all, it seems. Um, I did think it was funny. It ends in a big CGI battle when, like, literally six months, or longer than six months ago. That's exactly how what She-Hulk made fun of in its finale. I mean, say what you will about She-Hulk, but I think the... I, I think the finale of that is pretty fun, and I like that Marvel was self-aware about it and then just went back to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. All right. Anything else to say, Holden? Otherwise, I'm ready to talk about some Barbenheimer. No, nah, let's let's do Barbenheimer. All right, we're gonna start with Oppenheimer. Let's Holden's yep. preference. So. Let's start off with Oppenheimer. This is going to be no spoilers, spoiler free. So if you haven't seen it, you are free to listen to this. Time codes are in the description. When we get into spoilers, we'll let you know. We're going to dive in uh, into those spoilers as well. So Barbenheimer Part 1, Oppenheimer Non-Spoiler Review, starting right after this. Oppenheimer, I got the synopsis here. Hold on. Go ahead. Of course, directed by Christopher Nolan. You hear about this guy? During yeah. World War II, Lieutenant General Leslie Groves Jr. appoints physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer to work on the top secret Manhattan Project. Oppenheimer and a team of scientists spend years developing and designing the atomic bomb. Their work comes to fruition on July 16, 1945, as they witness the world's first nuclear explosion forever changing the course of History Holden, uh, $100 million budget directed by Christopher Nolan, music by Ludwig, Ludwig Jorensen. I think he did a good job with that. Uh, it's mm-hmm. currently at a 94 on Rotten Tomatoes. Holden, what are your thoughts on the Oppenheimer biopic over three hours long? Yeah. I also wanted to mention it's it's based on a biography called American Prometheus. Um, yes. Apparently. So, um, yeah, I thought title. it. Yeah, it is. American Prometheus. I thought it was really good, Jimmy. Um, believe it or not, Christopher Nolan made a good movie. Um, although, I guess <laughs> after Tenet, maybe I was a bit more apprehensive. But, um, yeah, no, I thought this movie was great. It was awesome. Um, it was a movie that is three hours long. I'm, I'm not sure I would go so far as to say it didn't feel like three hours. Like a lot of people are saying it flew by. I'm not sure I'll say that, but I will say I enjoyed it the whole time. It's not like it was dragging for me or anything. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, a three hour movie that justifies its length. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. Jimmy, what about you? This was a movie that when I walked out of the theater, I didn't love it. I liked okay. it. I thought it was very good. I didn't love it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was an expectations thing. Not necessarily high expectations for the movie, but just what the movie was. Mm-hmm. I think I was expecting more of the Manhattan Project, and mm-hmm. that is just like a third of this movie. Yeah, it's so, a third, really. Yeah, and uh, the climax, I think, is also... Well, one of the, the best sequence in the movie, in my opinion, is, is during that, uh, mm-hmm. which is the the trinity uh of the first atomic bomb test yeah um which i think was incredibly well done mm-hmm. just amazing um uh, 
one of the things that kind of had rubbed me the wrong way initially was a lot of this movie just kind of feels like a montage of things happening, especially mm-hmm. the first act. Things are happening so quickly that there aren't really scenes. <laughs> like it just the things are just like it is flying, which yeah is absolutely necessary because this movie is I'm. Mean, this movie flies for a three-hour movie. There is no mm. fat on this thing. There is no. nothing like, oh, just trim this out. Maybe, maybe like Florence Pugh's character, but I, again, I, I, I would need to see it a second time before I came to that judgment. Uh, what I will say, though, is at, since then, this movie has grown on me tremendously. Mm-hmm. And of the two movies that came out this weekend with Oppenheimer and Barbie. This is the one I've been thinking about more. It's the one that I've been Googling more about, learning more (laughs) about. This movie is incredibly accurate to the source material, it it appears. Mm -hmm. Even like throwaway stuff, basically, is just inspired by things that actually uh, happened, at least according to this biography that it's based on. And um, I do think it's really, really well done. I mean, the performances are spectacular yeah. uh, starting off with Killian Murphy who is 100% going to get at least nominated for an Oscar for this yeah there's I would no way very much expect <laughs> I would very much expect Robert Downey Jr. to be nominated for an Oscar I think people who could be nominated for Oscars outside of them would be uh, Matt Damon in mm-hmm. his supporting role I believe Benny Safdie has an outside chance as well Maybe. as Emily Blunt I think this is just one of those movies that's going to just rack up a, a ton, a megaton of Academy Award nominations and that people like Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Benny Safdie could be kind of just benefit from the momentum that this movie yeah. is going to have around awards season. Um, yeah. It's obviously beautiful. Hoyte van Hoytema, uh, longtime Christopher Nolan director of photography, uh, did a really good job with the cinematography of this one. Uh, famously, no CGI shots. Um, yeah, and I think the, the 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 way the they did the bomb and just kind of the visual manifestation of these physics ideas, I think were were really well done. Um, but I've been talking for a while, Holden. I'll let you share some of your thoughts. Yeah, no, I I mean on the acting, uh, Killian Murphy just is so good. I mean he's he's great in everything he does. Really, I don't think there's a Killian Murphy performance I don't like, and he's obviously been quite the collaborator with Christopher Nolan. Um, but he's great. Uh, I don't know much about Robert Oppenheimer uh, outside of like you know just that he made the atomic bomb and whatever, but. Um, I mean, he seemed to do a great job with that. He looks like him quite a bit, too. I mean, I know that's a lot of, like, makeup and whatnot and just ca- general casting, but they did a great job in that regard, making him look like the guy. Um, but, yeah, he was great. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. has been getting a lot of buzz, and I thought he was really good as well. Um, it's really nice to just see him in kind of this different role for him. And I think... Uh, I think the his character is is a lot of there's a lot of spoilers regarding him. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting what they do with it. I, I yeah, I'll I'll get into it in spoilers because I don't think I can talk about it right now. Um, Emily Blunt very good with what she's given. Although um, with as with a lot of Nolan movies, I think just the female characters in this are kind of underwritten. Uh, <laughs> 
to an extent. Mm-hmm. There's there's really only two, and they, they don't have a ton to do. Both performances are good. Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt are kind of the two main ones. They're very good. Emily Blunt has kind of a standout moment later in the movie that I think could secure her a nom still. Um, but yeah, everyone yeah. else, Matt Damon is great. Um, uh, probably my favorite thing I've seen him in in a while since those crypto commercials. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and then just everyone else who's in it. I, I don't know how, I mean, if, I don't know if we want to count any of the smaller characters as spoilers because I think so, even though, even knowing a lot of them going into it, there's there were so, still a few characters that popped up. I was like, oh, or actors that I was like, oh yeah you're in this that's cool um, yeah i mean but it's quite the star stud i mean just going in knowing there's quite the star-studded cast in general like you'll have people that you know i jack quaid is one i feel like it was in the trailers a bit he you know he's the one of the lead characters of the boys but he's really not in this movie a lot but he had nothing to do jack quaid. yeah <laughs> no no and i feel like that's a way with a lot of the the big names that are kind of in smaller roles in this like they they're just kind of in it to be in a nolan movie really it's kind of like the wes yeah. anderson effect almost like they probably took pay cuts to be in this just to work with him mm-hmm. which is cool yeah, the performances are amazing. Uh, I think outside of Killian Murphy, the standout for me is Robert Downey Jr. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty remarkable that someone who's played Iron Man for like 15 years just blend, blended into his role yeah. so seamlessly. Great makeup um, on him. Hair and makeup on him. Yeah, I thought the makeup in general is pretty outstanding uh, mm-hmm. because this is this is the life of Robert J. Robert Oppenheimer. Um and they depicted him at several different ages, so I thought that was that was very impressive. Um, yeah, yeah. I think if you haven't seen this yet, know that it's it's Oppenheimer. It's this guy's life. It's the mm-hmm. whole thing. The bomb is it. The bomb is a third of it, and yes. the there is the ramifications of the bomb do play a role, but there are other things that play a. It's that's not like the main que- that's not the only question that's kind of pulled up here and that's not mm-hmm. it's also kind of a secondary thing in the third act of the movie. You have kind of a completely different plot line going on uh, which I didn't know about going in so I won't say anything about it here because I'm yeah. guessing the general public doesn't know that much about it. But it, it does the American Prometheus title I think is very fitting very fitting, excuse me because of you know Prometheus stealing fire and then being kind of punished for it. Um, and I think Oppenheimer is just a really interesting character because he's very morally ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, and he seems to kind of change his mind about things as well um, after the fact. And it is interesting to kind of just sit back in and look at this character. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Christopher Nolan is trying to portray him as a hero or a villain i think he is just like here's this guy he was obviously really important Mm -hmm. because he led this project that developed the atomic bomb um how should he be remembered and how should we look at this guy and he's just another complicated human um Mm -hmm. which i think is really interesting christopher nolan hasn't always done a great job developing his characters um no there are times where it's like, yeah, he really gets into the meat of them, but there are, t- you know, like Tenet. It's like, 
the guy's well, literally the protagonist, you know? Like, yeah, what characters? We don't are really that know movie? that much about his character or relate to him. Whereas Oppenheimer, you can really sit and dissect um, him. Uh, yeah, so obviously the, you have some parts that are in color, some are in black and white. Different effect. I this is just a movie that I I want to see again, which is kind of weird because mm-hmm. uh, it's a three hour movie. But I don't think you can catch everything the first time because it is. No, it's I think so it is somewhat hard to follow. Um, well, especially of, I at, mean, go ahead. Especially at the beginning, like the uh, I mean, you kind of mentioned it earlier. I feel like the the beginning is like the most nonlinear part. It, it jumps around a lot between kind of our there you know we got our storyline kind of post the bomb or whatever um that keeps popping up throughout the movie and it goes there a lot kind of jumps around different places there and then it jumps around different places and oppenheimer you know pre the pre the manhattan project doing different things and that part i feel like was the most confusing and honestly initially i was like oh god is this movie going to be like this the whole time (laughs) i did Mm -hmm. i it seemed like it was going to be really tiring for three hours but it, it doesn't it becomes a, a little bit more stable as it goes yeah um so many characters so many cameos i really enjoyed mm-hmm. the parts where they were kind of making the discoveries about physics mm-hmm. i almost wish there were more of that um kind of the discovery part and the explanation of things yeah, the, uh, they did a really good job of writing it so it seemed like physicists actually talking to each other, but also we kind of understood what they were saying. Like it was yeah. it was it wasn't just people speaking in in nonsensical jargon to the layman, right? Like it, it, we we were able to to get it. it. But yet it seemed also authentic as well. So Yeah. Um the visual effects uh are stunning, specifically the bomb itself. Mm-hmm. is is i think incredible looking because it is all analog it is not digital they did all these techniques uh, that they're kind of being secretive about at this point to to make it work um to make all these things work and the way they cut them it is it's a spectacle but it's also kind of horrific in a way that i think is really nuanced and mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan said, you know, which I had forgotten, but he I've been watching interviews of him because I said, like I said, I've been looking a lot into this and and uh, doing more research online. But he said that, you know, he they did a nuclear explosion at the end of Dark Knight Rises, which was CGI. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how that was like a release of tension in the movie. Right. Because the climax had already happened. That was kind of part of this denouement sort of thing. Whereas this one, it's very much a climax of the movie is this test and this explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, so much is built has built towards this moment that CG just wouldn't it would it would underwhelm. Mm-hmm. And there's no really good way of describing why that is. It just would. And I, I think Christopher Nolan has a great point there. There's something subconscious about it. It, it makes the threat feel less real. Mm-hmm. Whereas, even though it's like very kind of abstract, amorphic, kind of ambiguous art that we're kind of seeing, it is much more disturbing, mm-hmm. at least subconsciously, that this is all analog. This is all based in a in reality. It's got that texture, that grittiness to mm-hmm. it, 
but it's also beautiful in a way that's disturbing as well. It, it and, it's very yeah. compl- It makes you feel complicated emotions, and I think it was really, really well pulled off at the end of a sequence that was incredibly well acted, edited, mm-hmm. and I thought very the score complemented it nicely. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and speaking of the score, though, um, I, I've I've heard some uh, some people are saying they got mixed things about the sound mixing in this movie which honestly i was going in with like low expectations in that regard just because of previous you know nolan movies and everything but i did not really have any issues i don't think i don't like i've i've heard people say the score was too loud at certain points i really don't think so i thought it was for me at least it was you know loud when it needed to be and um, backed off at certain points. There's a lot of music, I will say. I, there's probably some parts of the movie that would have been punctuated better with less music. Um, but I, I mean, in general, I thought you could hear everything just like the, the dialogue was the right volume and everything. And yeah, I don't know. Did you have any issues with sound mixing? I had, there were parts where I could not hear what people were saying. Okay. I think mostly Robert Downey Jr. I was like, I, I have no idea what he just said. Because <laughs> okay. the music was too loud compared to his voice. Mostly right. towards the beginning. Mm. Um, but yeah, I some people are like, yeah, some people have been saying they have had no issues. I'm definitely not in the camp with no issues. There were parts okay. I'm like, I cannot hear what this person is saying. Maybe it's the exact seat you're sitting at the theater. Maybe it's Could be. The, the like the volume of the theater itself. Um I've heard when you like go to an IMAX or something, it's just super loud. That could also um, be it. Part of why yeah. the, I've seen those reactions online, because I feel like I feel like for a lot of people, I've been seeing like borderline tenant levels of of bad sound mixing. <laughs> it was better than tenant. Yeah, hundred percent. God. Um, I, I, I could just see an Onion article now, though. That's like Christopher <laughs> Nolan's next film just releases with subtitles built. In. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That'd be good. but you know i i this is a really good movie that's only gotten better for me uh after thinking about it i i think it christopher nolan does a great job with the characters like i said i don't think he's always done an amazing job with his characters um it's it has it just f- zips for a three-hour mm. movie i did not feel the runtime um the 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 practical choice of effects is is really good um, and I think it's just, it's a good conversation starter, uh, although a bleak one. <laughs> yeah. And so who's this movie for? I would say if you are interested in really good acting performances, this, this will check that box for you. If you, if you, you know, if someone that, you know, should we have dropped the bomb? Should we have made the atomic bomb? Um, how would that impact someone? If those questions are interesting to you, you might be interested in this. Uh, now, who would this movie not be for? If you are really someone who struggles sitting through a longer movie, maybe uh, wait to see this one later, I guess, where you could maybe chunk it out. I do think there are kind of definitive breaks in the movie that you could kind of watch one part one time, second part another time. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is pretty cleanly split, split into thirds, I think, so... For a movie that is kind of as cross-cutted as it is. Yeah. But uh, obviously, if you're on the fence, see it now, because the best place to see this is in the theater. This is a movie that's made for the movie theater. Um, But if you're hard of hearing, um, maybe wait, because it might be, you know, unless you can get some sort of subtitle thing or or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, 
kind of assistive device. But uh, yeah, I think uh, n this is not gonna, not everybody's going to love this. Like I said, my parents didn't love it. They thought it was too long. My mom thought it was kind of boring. They have been to Los Alamos in the New oh, okay. Mexico. So, and uh, I would also just say manage your expectations of what the movie actually is. Because um, mm -hmm. I think that'll help your enjoyment as well. And I would like to rewatch this movie knowing what it is now and appreciating it for that and kind of catching more of the, that dialogue that I missed earlier and kind of appreciating some of the stylistic choices as well. So that's yeah. where I'm at, Holden. What is your rating for this movie? Uh, Rating-wise, I think I'm probably at uh, I'm probably at like a nine, I think. It's very good. Um, I really liked it. Obvious Oscar contender in a lot of ways, effects, acting. I mean, Nolan, will, I mean, maybe this will be Nolan's director. Has he been nominated for director at all? Is that the thing? He has never been no even nominated? I. He got nominated for Dunkirk, I think. Okay. Right? He had to have. He's never won I'm, it, though. Yeah, he's never won it. Maybe, I mean, this could be the time, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think that this these are probably Nolan's most fascinating characters. And yeah, granted, they are real people. But I think him being able to focus on, you know, these conversations with people as opposed to, you know, big action set pieces and something like Tenet just helps with that, too, and making it three hours. So, um, yeah, liked this movie quite a lot. Yeah, I would say it's, I would say it's his best movie since Inception. Yeah, I'm pretty confident probably. saying that. I like Dunkirk a lot, honestly. I probably like Dunkirk more than most people, but I don't know where I would put it against that. But yeah, aside from that, at least, I guess I haven't seen there Interstellar at all. But. Never. No. <laughs> <laughs> we should watch that sometime, Olden, because I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. All right. All right. So there we go. Let's dive into spoilers right after this. Again, if you have not seen Oppenheimer, check out those time, kids, time codes in the description so you can jump to our review of Barbie or whatever segment you want to jump to. Otherwise, spoilers starting right after this. All right. Spoilers for Oppenheimer. Um, yeah. Oppen Gungum style, Holden. As up in Gangnam style, as Jimmy just said, skip ahead if you do not want to hear the spoilers. Um, but I wanted to jump right into what I thought was, for me at least, from a from like structure wise in this movie, was like the most interesting thing, which was that it's a biopic that has like a twist in it, like, yeah. I, like <laughs> which granted I and I anyone listening, I feel like I spoiled this on the podcast talking about the casting before because I kind of I kind of knew like who Louis Strauss was when I looked up and when I saw Robert Downey Jr. was in it I was like okay who is this guy and then I read I'm like oh this guy is like this guy was like an antagonistic force against Robert Oppenheimer post the the Manhattan Project so he's going to be like a villain in the movie probably and I feel like since then, I've also referred to him as the villain of the movie. So if anyone went in knowing that due to us, I apologize. Well, I Regard didn't, Holden, because I had forgotten. Yeah, because <laughs> you just don't listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. What, did you uh, say? what are we talking about? Uh, Strauss the being like a twist villain, kind of. I know. Um, I was That was a joke because I wasn't listening to you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Whoosh. Right over uh, your head, Olden. It's okay. Anyway, um, he's, uh, 
Uh, but I even even knowing that, I thought it was really well executed. I I was like, oh, this is like, and I once I saw it starting, I was like, okay, so obviously we're not supposed to know he's the bad guy. And he went for a while. I was like, okay, this guy's he's, he's helping Oppenheimer. You know, they they're at you know. They kind of butt heads a little bit occasionally, but they are still helping each other in a lot of ways. But then it like kind of comes out that he's or Strauss has kind of orchestrated this whole like downfall of Oppenheimer's image and everything. <laughs> like basically yeah. made him like, you know, fall out of favor with both the government and the public um, through these uh, hearings and everything. I was like, this is really really cool how they do this and robert downey jr's like just the way he changes over the course of the movie too with this performance i thought was great like he, he becomes like way more snide and sinister over the like as the movie goes on at the beginning he's just kind of you know he's almost like tony starkish in a way mm-hmm. i mean i say i don't want to reduce robert downey jr's acting to saying that but you can see bits of that there um but yeah, I think I think that's honestly where his performance is the best is when we see that turn and we see we're able to see kind of a bit of a range there. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, wants revenge for uh he wanted to export isotopes or whatever. Yeah. And Oppenheimer's yeah. like, "Oh, you are so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> You're so dumb for wanting him. to do this." <laughs> Louis Strauss more like Louis Idiot, boom, oh. roasted. <laughs> That's a quote from the movie, Ooh. too. Pretty good. Yeah. That's a good Christopher <laughs> Nolan bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that was a really interesting twist. And uh, it's very much like the third act is like a courtroom drama, mm-hmm. even though it's like not technically a courtroom. Yeah, but it's like no, two it, courtroom dramas that are both technically not courtroom dramas going on at the same time. Because you have the hearings... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the appointment confirmation Senate hearing too, mm-hmm. which I, I think I missed some, I was like, I was not 100% sure what he was get, trying to get approved to be. I like missed that sure. line in the movie or whatever. So I had to look that up afterwards. I was like, what? Cause he got denied for something. What did he get denied for? And I thought maybe again, this could have just been me missing stuff, but I was like, okay, why is it, why is it important for Oppenheimer to maintain his security clearance? Um, and again, this might have just been me missing stuff the first watch, which is, again, why I want to see it again. But obviously, mm-hmm. a little more research, it's like, okay, well, he needs a security clearance because that's how he has can influence, political influence, and can yeah. kind of still have a say in the atomic program in the United States. And when he's cut off from that, he loses his voice. He loses his influence, loses relevance mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, uh, loses his, um, kind of, you know, spotlight or, uh, people looking towards him for anything. Uh, and then, and I I thought it was, well, it's like, you have another plot twist because it's like, then the, all the, the physicists turn against Strauss too and expose him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, Wow. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really interesting that like that whole the the Strauss him like getting denied the appointment was kind of kind of the climax of the movie, I'd say. Um, But I thought it was interesting that like 
Oppenheimer was like not involved in that, at least directly, like at uh-huh. all. He wasn't there. I, I mean, it, it would have made for, you know, a classic big climactic moment in a courtroom drama for Oppenheimer to walk in at the end and give some sort of testimony, even though he's kind of, you know, disgraced. Um, and honestly, that's what I was expecting to happen just because I'm so used to stuff like that happening. But it didn't happen. And instead, it's it was not like, like the uh, trial of the Chicago seven where everybody stands and applauds yeah. at the end of the movie. <laughs> Yeah. Instead, it was like Rami Malek comes in, yeah. <laughs> which I thought I thought was cool because he was like, I mean, I was like, why is he in this movie? His role is like nothing prior to that. He just wasn't doing anything. He had like two lines. I'm like, OK, there we go at the end. He's given a little something. But um, yeah, it was it was a very, very satisfying climax, despite the fact that Oppenheimer wasn't directly involved and it's his movie. It was it was kind of interesting in that regard liked it a yeah. lot a little jfk name drop in there too <laughs> I, I like that i uh i saw someone uh online talk about how that felt like a like a marvel name drop <laughs> that was like that was like the one moment that like took them out of the movie but like kind of in a funny good way because it's like oh it's this like this young massachusetts senator what's his name oh it's uh it's kennedy john f kennedy <laughs> like it's, the way he says it felt like just this this kind of name funny name drop from like a marvel movie but i liked it i thought it was funny it reminded me of joseph gordon levitt in the dark knight rises it's like oh you should go by your your other name robin oh yeah <laughs> yeah good point yeah. Um, um for for a nolan tie-in i guess anyway yeah yeah um I guess we didn't mention him in acting. I thought, it, you know what? I sad that he got bullied so much as Han Solo. I thought Alden Ehrenreich was also really good at this movie. He was good, and he was kind of like this bounce. He was kind of the bouncing board off Strauss. It's almost like, um, yeah, his his character was almost like the audience's perspective of Strauss, of kind of like 100%, towards the beginning. Yeah. He's it's much more like it's much more amicable, and he's like, wait a second, you're a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> And he's kind of actively cheering against Strauss as Strauss as well at the end, mm-hmm. um, but I yeah I just the little things with with the Robert Downey Jr.'s character. I mean, obviously like his last name is Strauss, and it's mm-hmm. World War Two, so it's like oh no, it's Strauss. You know, he's very concerned about his image. He's very narcissistic. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. he he plans this entire revenge quest against Oppenheimer for embarrassing him this one time. Like he tries to tear down this man in this most elaborate (laughs) scheme. And also because Um, he, and I mean also just because he thinks like he made Albert Einstein, not like him, like angry at him. (laughs) Yeah. That was, he thought that too. He (laughs) thinks that that their conversation about at the pond is about him, which at the end of the movie we find out is, is not at all about him. They don't even bring up his name. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that was the part of the movie that, that I think took a lot of people by surprise was mm-hmm. that part. And I think that's the part that people don't know about J. Robert Oppenheimer. His life is, you know, the after the bomb and his irrelevance um, and all that stuff. So, obviously, God, that- he... Uh, interestingly enough, he... I don't know if you saw this, Holden, but in late 2022, so late last year... They uh, d- uh, overturned the decision to to 
kind of take away his security clearance and they actually like posthumously cleared oh, him interesting. once again. So that was late 2022. A little surprising that they didn't have that like at the end of the movie or anything. Yeah. Since that happened, you know, relatively cool. recently. I mean, just less yeah. than a year ago, um, surprisingly. So interesting. Just a little tidbit there. So, you know, is Oppenheimer a hero? It, I think Nolan definitely portrays him as someone who tried to do the right thing, mm-hmm. even though he was a flawed human being. Obviously, yeah, he I, just like <laughs> he just like goes around like having affairs and just stuff like that, and seems to be much more interested in like actual physics than people. Yeah, um, I think I think if I were to describe him in like. Maybe this isn't the best word, but in in that regard, I would describe him as like aloof, kind of like he, especially towards the beginning, like in the first two thirds, because he's like he's going along with. I mean, mean, it's it's also just in the first third when he's like working at the school and whatever, like he's he's just kind of like passively supporting the the, like communist school group or whatever he doesn't really care but he's like oh i'm open to you know everything when i don't Mm -hmm. think he really does care at all either way um but everyone else cares a lot and he's just kind of you know going about you know going through the motions and whatever and that carries over into when he's you know working on the manhattan project and he's not really he's not thinking too hard about like the ramifications of what this like will mean to (laughs) for the world or anything which you know at the time i'm sure was a lot harder to do than it is now with hindsight but you know he's he's just making this weapon for the war and he's you know justifying it kind of by you know helping stop the war but once again he's not thinking about it too hard and then once it actually happens and these people die when the bomb drops he's like oh crap i have to think about i'm I'm thinking about maybe this isn't the best thing i've done and that's when he kind of turns around and becomes more active in in uh kind of being more considerate about those things i think that also ties in with like his affairs too i think he just doesn't like he doesn't think about his relationships with people that much like and Mm -hmm. i mean he didn't really think about until until she died she didn't he didn't really think about how he affected florence Pugh's character that much um yeah gene gene yeah um so he's yeah he's just kind of this aloof character almost until that last third and that's when everything that he's done up to that point catches up to him yeah yeah i mean it's it is really interesting because he is just so he's like they they justify at the beginning look like the nazis like when the when they split the atom the Germans have split the atom, right? It was the Germans. Like, at that moment, their first reaction is, well, someone's going to use this to make a huge bomb. Yeah. And and that's like, well, if the Nazis make a bomb, that means the Nazis are going to conquer the world. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we have to make the bomb before the Nazis make the bomb. And that's a great reason to make a bomb, <laughs> is to make sure that the Nazis don't are the only ones that have this weapon. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, is that the Nazis surrender before the bomb is done. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, the war in Japan isn't over. So (laughs) So we're just going to keep making making the bomb. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's tons of information out there um, about whether or not it was necessary to drop the atomic bomb. It is a very, very complicated issue that I don't think has one just easily definitive right or wrong answer. It's mm-hmm. probably going to depend on your values and, and the information that you've seen and had access to. I've flip-flopped on that issue multiple times myself. I don't even know where I would land now. Um, but it's just like the, the all the interesting stuff just in the process of it. It's like you, as the audience, you get caught up in the making of the bomb itself too because it's, it's mm-hmm. like the, the age-old you know, age question or the line from uh, Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park. You got so caught up wondering if you could, you didn't think about whether or not you should. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously, they they were they thought they should for a lot of yeah. this leading up to before the Nazis surrendered, which is the first time they actually had the question of maybe we shouldn't do this. Um, but you get caught up as an audience member in the could as well, and just how are they going to do this? And I liked the scientific stuff. I I wish there was more of that. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, it reminded me a little bit of the imitation game. I think Never there's a lot it, of but... a lot of comparisons here. With the imitation game, the imitation game is a much smaller scope than this. Sure, yeah, but similar yeah. and very, it has very interesting moral dilemmas in the imitation game as well, um, which I I highly recommend. That that would be a, a good kind of um, movie to pair along with Oppenheimer, kind of moral dilemma things in terms of technology in World War Two. <laughs> uh, I think it was World War Two. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought a lot of this was, was just fascinating to watch. Of course, one of the big questions, I think maybe the question that hooked Christopher Nolan and made him want to make this movie was, you know, when they triggered the button on the Trinity test, the first atomic bomb test, they thought there was a chance they might end the world. Yeah. Which I, I based on the interviews I've seen, that seems like to be like the mo- that the thing that hooked Christopher Nolan and made him want to make this movie was to take audiences to that point in mm-hmm. history, which like that obviously we're here. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, unless we're in some sort of alternative dimension that skewed off from this point Mandela in time, effect. the world did not end. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the tension of the moment is not lost because no. I thought that was just incredibly well directed um and just again the 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 complimentary the complimentary nature of the effects the music the acting it all just came together so well i think that is the best sequence of cinema that uh, we're gonna see this year uh if something upstages that i'll be highly highly uh (laughs) impressed because i was like wow uh, just very intense, uh, gorgeous, horrific, co- complicated, you know, all of these things going through your mind all at once during this. And uh, I thought it was just a really, really, really good moment uh, and, and great filmmaking. Well, and of course, that question then ties into the ending as well, which I think is such a good ending to this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I it's I think it's fantastic. Um, probably one of my favorite Nolan endings, just in general, of the ones I've seen. Um, but yeah, his his conversation with with Einstein and you know, I don't remember the exact quote, but he's like, you know how 
I showed you like the the like the the we thought that maybe we would mm-hmm. you know we would c- cause a ripple or a reaction that would lead to the end of the world or the ripple effect you know mm-hmm. a chain a ch- I think he said it's chain reaction that would lead to the end of the world. He's like, yeah. So I think we did. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's you just like it's very chilling. Um, that's so good and and horrifying. Um, so, and, that yeah, whole, I mean, and I also love how that whole time you can see Strauss coming in the background, like walking towards them out mm-hmm. of focus. I thought that was a fun detail, too. But uh, but yeah, there's a bunch of just great moments in here, whether it's like, you know, when they're picking which cities they're going to bomb. Oh, it's yeah. It's like, well, we can't like can't bomb Kyoto because of the cultural significance. And my wife and I honeymoon there. It's a nice place. It's like yeah, just the. That- uh, casual nature sliminess. of deciding which hundred thousand people are gonna die mm-hmm. is just disturbing. And then, like another great moment is, um, like the bombs are getting sent off, and Oppenheimer's like, "Oh, well, yeah, no, like, so am I going to wa- like, oh, am I gonna go with you to Washington?" And, and uh, Matt Damon's character is like, "Well, why?" <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. "Oh, shoot!" Like, you know, like you did your job. This is out of your hands now. Like. He has so, like this naivete that he has control over this thing. And it, to compare it to another Greek myth, you know, he's opened Pandora's box at this point. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't control the contents anymore. Like you've created the atomic bomb. It's not your decision to handle it. That's that's no. out of your control, which is something that he wants at first. It's like, look, I'm just making the bomb it's that I could what they do with it is beyond my pay grade, but it's almost like he wants that ownership and like, he doesn't realize that he doesn't have it until it's kind of too late. And it's like, yeah. your role is done. Um, you have that great scene, uh, with Harry Truman, the president. Oh yeah. He's like, get this crazy baby out of here. Yeah. Which I didn't even realize was Gary Oldman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's good at blending in, just doing anything, putting on a lot of makeup, yeah, but makes sense. He's good at playing World War II guys. <laughs> <laughs> Referencing Winston Churchill. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, like, I just think that's, you know, it's like, oh, you think you have blood on your hands? No, the blood's on my hands. I dropped the bombs. You cry, baby. Get him out of here. <laughs> you know? Harry yeah. Truman, what a guy. Uh, but it's just like, yeah, those scenes, obviously the scene uh, in which he's given the kind of the rousing speech after the yeah. bombings and, and th- how that's the, shot. And yeah, the sound you know, cuts out. Um, Here's the screams. That was, yeah, that was great. I believe that uh, the, the girl who's like face is peeling off is actually Christopher Nolan's daughter. Oh, okay. And they're like, Oh, so they're like, that's significant. Cause it's like, you can see your family in that. And he's like, no, don't read into it. She was just available. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was That's really funny. funny like Christopher Nolan's like he's like well it turns, she was just on spring break and she was cheap and available so we just had to don't read into it <laughs> like uh, I was just prepared for like some sort of really pretentious answer meaning. about like yeah. yeah he's just like nope <laughs> well, that's one just thing. an afterthought Honestly, that's one thing. I mean, not anything related to the movie, really. But that's one thing I've I've gathered from the marketing for Oppenheimer is Christopher Nolan's at least acting isn't acting as pretentious as maybe I thought he was 
because a lot of his interviews seem a lot more down to earth than what I was expecting, at least the ones I've seen. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like obviously the sound design and the visual effects of that scene is really good. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, what stands out is really interesting and maybe paradoxical, which uh, a lot of the things in the movie, Oppenheimer seems like a paradoxical character, but like when he's like, he's experiencing all these emotions and then he says, you know, it's too bad we couldn't use it on the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was he actually, th- you know, he's probably thinking these thoughts sometime in his life. Did it happen yeah. that moment? I kind of highly, I doubt it a little no. bit based on what he actually says. I feel like he's pretty gung-ho about the bomb. Mm-hmm. But maybe when he starts to actually see the images, he feels a little bit differently about it. Yeah. Also, no way on earth am I anywhere close to the Trinity test when that thing goes off. <laughs> I am not trusting anybody's equations on that. I am out of there. I mean, yeah, I think I think it's I mean, I guess the, the scientists would know better. But like, I don't know. I feel like for a lot of people, they, they just wouldn't even know like what to expect like they 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 can't even like really comprehend what's going to happen even with some equations and stuff so i don't know maybe it's easy for us to say that with hindsight but i don't know maybe back then they were like oh you know just make sure you put on your goggles stand stand away's back <laughs> it's fine yeah, i mean they they probably had to have some some level of confidence and maybe even arrogance to be at that level of a scientist mm-hmm. but um just like Oh, what was I going to say? I just lost it. But, uh, you know, just like the dark humor that's in this, you know, how they're taking side bets on whether or not the world's going to end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. (laughs) Or like even they're like, hey, you're going to be like here and then you guys will be watching from this point. They're like, we're going to be watching from there. It's like, well, you know, you should be safe based on your calculations. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, like, you know, uh, there's a line that's like, you know, put your... Num- mouth where your numbers are or something like that they said like you know something about your math um but yeah there's just a lot of really really interesting things and just kind of like the all the celebrity scientists that appear too is kind of cool and um yeah and and fascinating and part of me is wondering like it, i don't know how much you i feel like blaming oppenheimer for the you know atomic age isn't necessarily fair because i feel like there's an inevitability to it oh yeah totally like someone was gonna be j robert oppenheimer and i feel like there are a lot worse people Mm -hmm. that it could have been um now uh, i thought it was you know obviously we were kind of worried about how would they, you know, show the bombs and stuff and and they didn't show anything with Japan. You hear about it on the radio. Yeah, we didn't see the actual bombings, which was good. Yeah. I think that was a, a good touch. You never really see Did they even show a mushroom cloud really? No. It's just no, all very did. much bits and pieces. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, but it's you I see, mean like I, I think that's wise though, because I mean, then you're kind of getting it from Oppenheimer's perspective, where he's he's hearing about it and everything, but in, he's experiencing it very third hand, um, at least hearing about it. And yeah, I think that's wise, a wise decision. You get pieces also, of like the skin tasteful. flapping, the 
the bright flash of lights and him stepping mm-hmm. on like the charred corpse and all that. But yeah, yes. All right. Any other specific like sequences or th- aspects of the movie you really want to uh, touch upon? Um, wasn't expecting the famous Oppenheimer quote to be happening when he's in bed with Florence Pugh. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Which I didn't I mean, realize that was uh, from the Bhagavad Gita before before the uh, movie. Yeah, no, I didn't either. Um, but yeah, I guess maybe Christopher Nolan was just trying to keep us. We were all, we're all expecting that moment, trying to keep us on our toes <laughs> or yeah. something. Um, yeah, no, I think that's it for me. Crazy, crazy stuff, Holden. Uh, very, very good biopic, I would say. Uh, again yeah awesome i want to see it again i would have even more takeaways more appreciation appreciation for it so i'll have to watch it again sometime otherwise you know stay tuned for uh whatever christopher nolan makes next because we'll review it here yeah. speaking of reviewing things holden we got to talk about barbie that's right we're oh, an hour wow. and 50 minutes into this sucker and we got another movie to go <laughs> all right so we're gonna talk about barbie right after this non-spoiler review coming at you right now All right, Holden, Barbie time. That's right. The yes. the barbin part of Barbenheimer. The bar. All right. The barb. Put another Ken on the Barbie. That's right, <laughs> Holden. Here is our synopsis. Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. All right, Holden, brand new uh, camera angle for you because you got to yes. charge your phone. Yes. Uh, yeah. But uh, here on Skype, doing it remotely this week. Um, but, Holden, Barbie, your thoughts on the other part of this double feature for Barbenheimer. This is, of course, directed by Greta Gerwig, has a budget of somewhere between 128 $145 million, um, which there was a ton of ton of marketing went that went into this yeah. rotten tomatoes has it at a 90 percent right now holden what are your thoughts well jimmy it's funny you said uh it, what you did in the in or the synopsis because i also had a time of my life i loved this movie this movie <laughs> i i adore this movie and i kind of expected to um so I'm glad my expectations were at least met. I, this movie, this movie's fantastic. I love it. It's, it, it lives up to the hype of the marketing, in my opinion, maybe surpasses it even in some regards. Um, but yeah, I was, I was not disappointed. What about you, Jimmy? All right. Well, this is spoiler free, so we don't have to worry about that. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie as well. I probably, from an entertainment standpoint, and enjoyed it more than Oppenheimer. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's it's a very creative movie. In in a lot of ways, it's almost like a South Park episode. Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> with the the level of satire going on, um, and the, at points just like straight up preachiness of it, <laughs> of like a character doing a monologue about what's wrong with society, but in a way that I think works because. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be a lot more forgiving of a character just straight up saying what's wrong with society if the rest of the satire works. And I think a yeah. lot of it does here. I don't think 100% of the jokes land. I think there are like a solid 20% that just 
<laughs> end up completely nobody laughing at in the theater, which is awkward. But I do think a lot of this movie is very funny. I think a lot of it does work really well. I think the production, uh, set designs, costuming is incredible. Oh, yeah. And I, I would not be surprised at all if it wins an Academy Award for at least one of those things. Probably... Um, Production, production design. design. Yeah, 100%. It has to it's, be the front runner at this point. It's so gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen the trailers, you kind of get the sense of, of it. But in the movies, even more so, the just all of Barbie land is so fun. It looks so, like, delightfully fake. But, like, that's mm-hmm. the point. Like, everything in there, like, you, you go through Barbie's dream house and you, you see all the different set dressings that make it look like just a giant version of the toy. Um, and you go through the world and there's just a lot of like things that are just like stickers. Like it's like, there's like a, you know, pretends to be the inside of a fridge and it's actually just the sticker or whatever. And, uh, lots of just solid plasticky looking things that fit for what you would think a Barbie world would be. Um, it's just, it's so good. It's fantastic in that regard. I can see why they caused a pink paint shortage too. So much yeah. pink in this movie. <laughs> Incredible. Um, the performances here are outstanding. Margot mm-hmm. Robbie, I think, was the perfect choice for this role. She absolutely knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. I think the scene stealer, though, is, of course, Ryan Gosling. To oh, my gosh. No one's surprised, Holden, <laughs> my favorite actor. Been shouting it from the mountaintops that Ryan Gosling is, like, the funniest man alive. <laughs> And he, uh, his comedic timing, delivery, everything here was oh, he's so sensational. Good. This, this would not be nearly as funny without Ryan Gosling. No, performing. no, he's he is perfect as Ken. Um, his yeah, as you said, his comedic timing is so good. He's willing to just commit to any bit. Basically, he doesn't ma- He doesn't care about looking like a fool. Um, and he's very physical about everything. He'll just, he's very uh-huh. exaggerated in every movement he does. Um, it's, it's so good. There's so many like good lines that he has in this that we can talk about in spoilers. I, I should have yeah. mentioned, I have also seen this movie twice at this point. I've seen I, it twice as well. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it a second time on Sunday. Um, but God, yeah, it's, he's so good. I, I like, I know there's, there's probably no chance, but legitimately, if he was nominated for best supporting actor, well deserved. Like, he's just you don't so think committed. there's a chance? I think there's a. I think I guess, there's a significant chance that he would get nominated for best supporting actor. I guess there's probably there is probably a chance since it's supporting because supporting actor is like kind of the one that they take more risks on usually. I mean, with like Heath Ledger and whatnot, and I mean even I even. You know, going to Robert Downey Jr., he was nominated for his Tropic Thunder role, like yeah. best supporting yeah. actor. So yeah, there there is there is a chance. Um, it, it just kind of depends on, I guess, what else comes out this year. We'll see. I think uh, I think uh, the Academy is going to embrace Barbie. I hope so. I think so. I think it's <laughs> going to because uh, the Academy, anything remotely a box office hit that's also considered a great movie is going to be taken by the academy they love greta gerwig that's yeah um i guess they and did i just that see this machine Joker. they want people to be invested in the academy awards uh, people like this movie i 
I think this is going to be a machine that maybe doesn't get wins, but gets nominations. I think, um, I think screenplay is going to be up for. It. I think it would be best adapted screenplay, right? Because Barbie is probably like a, yeah. an existing IP. So I I would not be surprised at all if this was nominated for best adapted screenplay, best lead actress with Margot Robbie, and best supporting actor with Ryan Gosling. That would well, and then uh, costuming, set design. Yeah, I think design. all those things, and then I'm just Ken for yeah. uh, best original <laughs> song. I think this thing could be nominated for like six Oscars, God, and I, I would not, so. I would not be surprised. I just think this thing is gonna have so much momentum behind it, um, and they're gonna want to get people to tune into the Academy Awards. So it's true. I, I uh, think that this is gonna do really well there. Uh, it's hilarious. Uh, just go back to Ryan Gosling for a second. Not only is his like verbal comedic delivery amazing but just the every little physical thing he does is fantastic as well it, just mm-hmm. every little thing um whether he's you know he flexes his muscles or he you know d- is dancing or little twirls that he does the way he looks or twitches his head every little thing he does enhances his comedic delivery <laughs> and uh he just absolutely nails it and i think if you just take him out of that and just read the lines it's not anywhere close to as funny as it as it is with him yeah no i i i I totally agree but i i mean even the other kens are also quite good i mean all all the other like supporting kens and barbies i i think Mm -hmm. are are pretty good they don't get the most to work with but they all they all give similar levels of energy to the lead actors with what they're given. Um, I mean, like the the rival Ken played by Simu Liu was mm-hmm. also very fun. I, I like him yeah. as he's he's a good kind of antagonist for that Ken character. Um, and you have uh, what's his name who plays Gravik <laughs> was also yeah. very funny in this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all, it, they're all great. And it's a bunch of actors. It's I, I wouldn't say it's like a who's who necessarily, but a lot of people you might recognize um, just kind of in these smaller roles, um, giving it their all and clearly having a lot of fun with it, uh, both physically and, you know, just with the, the dialogue and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, very great just cast in general, especially with the, the Barbie world. Yeah, uh, Michael Sarah as Alan. Oh, is yeah. great! <laughs> He's so good. Alan's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think um, there, the one of the bigger gripes I've heard that I I could see I could someone agree with is like the Will Ferrell and this Mattel storyline like doesn't need to be in there. Um, True. Yeah, but I I still think it's fun. For the mo- I think like- it's fun too. I actually liked it more the second time I saw mm-hmm. it than the first time. The first time I was like, "Yeah, that didn't that seemed like to go in and out of the movie, um, and didn't seem to need to be in there because this movie goes in directions that I did not see coming, which was surprising from the trailer. Yeah, um, and, and in ways that were fun and I think effective as well. So, yeah, I thought Will Ferrell was pretty funny. I wish he had a little bit more to work with, but uh, he had some of my biggest laughs. Yeah, um, he did have some, some pretty great lines in it. In the movie. I, I was surprised at how much they kind of like went back to Barbie world after they were in the real mm-hmm. world, which was nice. And there is a nice like emotional core to this film as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, there is. Um, there's there's a few like kind of standout, uh, probably like three or four moments where it kind of 
the humor takes a back seat and it becomes more focused on the emotional angle and I think it works really well in general um it's just it it becomes kind of existential like in some ways yeah, I, I've, se- I've existential. seen existential yeah I've seen a lot of jokes saying that like oh gosh maybe I watched Oppenheimer and Barbie in the wrong order <laughs> get more too sad watching Barbie um but yeah, no, in, in general, I, I think the the way they balance that and it is it is kind of a drastic shift when it gets to those scenes, but it also never really feels out of place either. Like it, it feels it's kind of at points in the movie where clearly there needs to be a bit more, you know, emotional something going on there rather than just the humor. Yeah. So then they take kind of take the time to do that. And it, it just kind of works perfectly, clicks together. Yeah, I. I guess if I had a critique of this movie, I think it's maybe a little long. I think mm-hmm. the ending goes on a little long and it's not super necessary. Um, the final joke of the movie, I was like, didn't really hit for me. It's oh, very, I thought it like, was kind of abrupt ending. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I think there's a lot of really good stuff to this movie. One thing I haven't heard, um, mm-hmm. but I thought while I was watching it, especially the second time, is like, there's a very like especially concerning the Mattel stuff mm-hmm. there's a very Wes Anderson feel to this movie at times like it's yeah. very like symmetrical and mm-hmm. silly and the dialogue is quirky and i just got huge Wes Anderson vibes um whether it's this chase in this building or just mm-hmm. the set designs themselves um i don't know if if you felt that at all i i definitely felt it i also there there's this French movie that I haven't seen, but I've seen a lot of clips from called Playtime. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, I don't remember who directed it. I think it's it's from like the 80s or something. Um, but I think I saw Greta Gerwig say it was an influence because that movie, it's like a comedy movie, but like it's all, it's these very like silly situations and like these big diorama set like I think most of the shots are very wide like diorama shots and you just there's like Mm -hmm. little jokes happening here or there around it's like a very quirky and like original looking movie and I I, the clips I've seen from that I definitely see the influence there but I I also wouldn't be surprised if Wes Anderson is influenced by that movie but yeah there's definitely Wes Anderson movie uh, influence with like that symmetry and um just how colorful it can be and everything yeah it's yeah. it's definitely in the humor and everything it's there not necessarily maybe not necessarily influence but just the vibe of it yeah yeah vibe felt like that it i was like it, if you took that out it's like i almost felt like it came out of a wes anderson movie for me mm-hmm. um but uh i think yeah i thought the music complemented the movie really well uh in a ways that the light and fun stuff but also the more existential stuff i thought was really nice yeah, um, I thought compliment. both the original score and and also the the original songs written for it, like on just the greater soundtrack um, by the various artists. I thought those were all really good. So yeah. Um, again, I thought the message was was uh, interesting, not subtle at all, but I thought no. it was funny, <laughs> and I thought it worked in the context of the movie. Um, some people are gonna like you know. I think there's like. <laughs> If you're not, you know, if you saw the Barbie trailer and you're like, I don't know if this is for me, it's probably not for you. If you're like, you didn't think mm-hmm. like, this is silly. I want to see this. You probably can skip this one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with that being said though, like my mom wasn't really interested in going and my dad was like, Oh, that kind of looks fun. Uh, so we went and, and both of them really enjoyed it. Um, nice. So yeah, I, it'd be interesting if you really like Barbie, obviously there's mm-hmm. a, a, some Barbie tidbits in there for you, some fan service. But if you're not into Barbie, you know nothing about Barbie like us. Uh, <laughs> if you saw the trailer, you thought it would be fun. Definitely go see it. Um, if you're a Ryan Gosling fanboy like me, yeah, yeah it, eat it up. It's great. From what I understand, the, like it, it really a lot of the Barbie references they dig up are, are like a lot of deep cuts. And I I saw the first time I saw it, I saw it with some people who were really into Barbies when they were younger, and they're like, "Oh, I, that's so that's funny." They bring that up and whatever. So yeah, yeah. yeah. but it also right, didn't hin- it didn't hinder my enjoyment at all, but. Yeah, I didn't think it was too distracting. Yeah. What are you going to give this for your rating? Um, I'm probably, gosh, I I feel like I'm at like a nine and a half. <laughs> I'll put it slightly above Oppenheimer uh, just because I, I enjoyed it a bit more, I think. But they're they're both, I, I put them on almost equal ground in a lot of ways. I think they're both just really solid movies that have come out in this past weekend, both very deserving of the money they're earning. Um, I think it's just so cool that like this movie even exists in the way that it does. Like the Mattel mm-hmm. even okayed this. <laughs> like I know Mattel doesn't come out looking that bad, like from the company in the movie, but it's still like, I don't know. It's still their brand and a lot of, a lot of criticism put towards it. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's fantastic. I might honestly see it a third time. I really like it that much. Well, there you go. All right, Holden, let's dive into spoilers. Of course, if you haven't seen Barbie, you want to listen to the final segment of the show, what are you doing? Check out the time codes in the description. Otherwise, spoilers coming at you right after this. All right, spoilers for Barbie. Sublime! Uh, Sublime! That was so funny. Oh, my gosh. That bit... (laughs) That bit got me. I mean, I was fully expecting him to just scream like in, in most like of those jokes, but he just got sublime. Um, no, I, I, I mean, I guess not entirely dissimilar to Oppenheimer of all things. Um, I was not expecting Ken to be the villain of this movie. <laughs> no, I was not either. <laughs> Which I think works so well because, I mean, he's, he's not like he doesn't necessarily mean that bad or anything. Like he's just dumb. (laughs) Like he's just, everybody's dumb. That's the best part is like everybody's. Yeah. Everyone's dumb in this movie. Um, All the Barbies are dumb. All the Ken's are dumb. mm -hmm. Yeah. It's great. Um, but yeah, just Ken coming back and bringing the ideas of the patriarchy and everything is, is so funny. And, He's like, he thinks it's about horses. That line at the end where he's like, yeah, as soon as I found out the patriarchy wasn't about horses, I just became less interested. I didn't really care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. That was, was one of my favorite ones. Or I also love the line where like the girl, so the main girl, who is mm-hmm. also the girl from 65, apparently. Oh, yeah. I which I, I think that. is funny. When she calls uh, Margot Robbie a, a fascist. And then she's oh, yeah. like, she called me a fascist. I don't control the railways or the flow of commerce yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was that was very good all right uh 
even Will Ferrell's character when they're like, "Sir, does it even matter whether we're making money through Barbie and or Ken? Does it really like who cares?" He's like, "I did not push all the way up to CEO to care about the bottom line. I care about <laughs> little girls' dreams and their futures in a way that's not not creepy or whatever he says." Yeah, Will Ferrell in general, I thought was just very funny, and I mean, it was surprising that he wasn't really the main villain because I just kind of expected it to be a generic business type, like as yeah. it was kind of presented in the trailer too. Um, but yeah, he what little he had to work with was was quite good. Um, yeah, I, one of my favorite like just physical gags that got me both times I saw it was when they're like they're they're all laughing at something i can't even remember what they're laughing at but he's like he's laughing and he like just kind of pushes everybody he's like gives them the little like oh that's funny slap kind of thing oh he yeah just kind of does it but it like goes <laughs> on like two seconds too long he just like pushes the one guy that he like keeps bullying on the ground <laughs> kind of. or they're like that's everybody right. tickle me he's like no, don't hug me <laughs> that i thought really that was good pretty funny bits but uh yeah, a lot of a lot of funny lines. Um, oh, so many in this one. I thought uh, one person we haven't talked about who was uh, another standout is Kate McKinnon as oh, yeah. Weird Barbie. She's excellent as well. Yeah, she was really great. His her line, <laughs> her line at the beginning where she's like, "Oh yeah, you've got that stereotypical Ken. I'd love to see what kind of smooth plastic <laughs> lump he's got under there." <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so funny. I'm like, this, yeah. it's so, it's crazy to me. I mean, I, honestly, I didn't realize this movie was rated PG-13 going in. I just assumed it, it was It feels like, like a rated R movie, honestly. Yeah, in a lot of ways. With, I mean, there's just so many, they, they don't really, I mean, they don't swear that much, but just with how far they go and a lot of jokes and what they say, I was, I was very surprised um but they were able to get away with it especially for like a barbie movie i just wasn't expecting it um i mean i guess like in the in the trailer you got like the beach off joke which is very funny um in the movie as well but still i even with that i wasn't really expecting what they were gonna do (laughs) but yeah pleasantly surprised um yeah i yeah ryan gosling if it weren't for these triple things like mbas and doctorates (laughs) I would have conquered that world or, or well, swim lessons. His, his job's just beach. Beach. Oh, I'm, I'm not qualified beach. to go over there or save anybody. I was just going to stand here, you know. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Can I, sir, yeah. what's the time? You respect me. <laughs> you know? Someone even asked me what time it was. <laughs> Yeah, I'm see, uh, a, when he's, he's like, I'm gonna go to the library see if they have books about trucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or like even when like they, he's got the Mojo Dojo Casa House or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's explaining it, and he like goes and like does a pull up and then comes yeah. back down. Like just all the little things like that, or like when he's flexing his his biceps, all those little moments that he he pulls off so well, or even like the the dance offs that he has. Or yeah, like, oh, yeah. Even at the beginning where they're like he's kind of arguing with the other Kens and like kind of dancing um, well, the, and the, or even the moment, dance off at the end there's that moment at the beginning after he, he has that he he's, has that interaction with Barbie after the party and she goes into her house and he just kind of dances away <laughs> like the, the mm-hmm. shots zoom, like going out and he's just kind of dancing away bottom of the frame yeah. 
Um, I, the, the part, the second time, for some reason, the thing that like, I, I did not remember that like sent me, like just sent me the second time was when he's talking to Barbie that first time at night and he just goes, uh, uh, like he does (laughs) like the the beach boy laugh kind of thing. I was like, oh my God, that's so good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Another sequence that I guess I just. I don't know. That worked really well for me, especially the second time was when Alan just beats the crap out of all the cats. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then they have to just turn around. And there's that. We got to uh, get out of here before they realize to build that wall sideways <laughs> instead of just, just up. building it up. <laughs> so good. And then he's just out of nowhere. He just starts beating everyone. Um. In general, that so. You, you kind of mentioned it briefly a bit ago, but that whole that that, that like fight on the beach and the dance off is so good. That's like that is one of my favorite parts of the movie because it's just and like it's, I was, I was going to say it the, like the sheer scale of it is just like insane. But like it's all like it's like real props, at least on the beach. At least most of it is looks very real. And it's played so like earnestly too. Like it's mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's clearly a very serious situation, or, or it's cl- it's serious for these characters, but it's it's so silly. Yeah, <laughs> and it's complemented by the "I'm Just Ken" song. Yes, which is so good. I will be stealing that for a karaoke night. <laughs> <laughs> and then the "I Am Knuff" shirt. I am Ken. Oh my gosh! I need to get that. That's a good shirt. Good sweatshirt. Yeah, or whatever. I saw people already wearing those around. Oh, good. <laughs> I am enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so much of the movie works really well. Um, I the twist of it being the mom, I saw a mile away. Oh like, yeah, as that soon was as so they obvious. showed her sitting at the desk, and then they showed her with the drawings. It's like, okay, well, that's pretty clear. And then she's like, "This is cellulite, Barbie," and this is ir irrepressible thoughts of death barbie i'm like well it's clearly you who has the yeah <laughs> yeah that's like supposed to be a twist later on but you know i, I was kind of surprised that really takes away a ton no i was kind of surprised they did play that out as long as they did too um but in general uh america ferrera who plays the mom she was she was pretty good in the movie um i liked mm-hmm. her as you kind of mentioned earlier her like speech that she where she's just like spelling everything out at the end I thought that worked really well. It was it, it kind of hit the point home very hard, but as you said, since the rest of the satire is a lot more subtle, I think it still works. Um, well, I think she, the point of it, like the ultimate point of it too, of like how comparing just the like the situation that women find themselves in, but then also just like all the controversy over just Barbie itself, mm-hmm, yeah, as a doll, like. If like a girl doll is that controversial, mm-hmm. like or you know that has all these expectations for a girl doll, you know, like how imagine the expectations of like an actual just girl in this yeah. in our society, which I thought was like a really good argument. Um, yeah, it's a it's a good way of like yeah of kind of balancing both sides of of kind of the Barbie argument. Um, very interesting yeah i like it and then also um at the end too it's not like they just put everything 100 percent the way it was it's like well Mm -hmm. we can't just be terrible to the kens anymore either Mm -hmm. like we weren't really being any better to them you know it's like you know margot or barbie's like i don't even know where the kens live 
you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah mistreating true. them and. Brewski um, beer me. <laughs> Brewski beer me, man. <laughs> um, well, then you have those like emotional scenes, um, which uh, with um, what's her uh, the creator of Barbie, uh, played by Rhea Perlman, who is Danny DeVito's wife. That's what my dad said. My dad knew that. I'm like, <laughs> what? Where did that <laughs> trivia come from? I the only reason I know that is because Danny DeVito, because Danny DeVito and her play like Matilda's abusive parents in the original Matilda movie. Okay. And then Danny DeVito also directed that movie. So Sure. Um oh yeah. but um yeah, she was she was great. She was kind of funny when uh, she had a few kind of funny lines in there, but um yeah, that whole like emotional moment at the end where Barbie's deciding to become human, plays mm-hmm. the Billie Eilish song, which was a very good song for that scene. <laughs> it just made it way more sad, but was was quite complimented it quite nicely. Um, yeah, it's I I think those those scenes were quite good, and I I also one of the standout moments that I I also appreciated more the second time was just that her uh, Barbie interacting with that old woman in the real world. Yeah, that was bus a nice station. sweet little moment. Yeah, that was it was funny. It was sweet. Um, it was kind of this turning point in Barbie's character. Um, she kind of be- becomes more aware of like how human women, you know, differ in a lot of ways and how their problems are, are you know, differ as well. Um, so, yeah, thought that was a great moment. Yeah. Sweet. Any other specific things you want to talk about, Holden, or should we wrap this this long puppy up yeah um gosh wiener dog um yeah i don't know i mean i i mentioned it with the the fight scene but i want to just compliment the choreography with both the the dance at the beginning and the dance at the end it's so good and it's it doesn't like it didn't need to be that good (laughs) like (laughs) it didn't need to go so hard be that committed to the bit um, but it is, and I appreciate it all the more for it and just shows Greta Gerwig's like commitment to this kind of material here. Clearly she had a vision and that's why she, she took on this, this like IP movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I guess I, the last thing you, you mentioned the, you didn't really laugh at the last line. You didn't like that. I mean, I, I I didn't think it was hot. I mean, I guess it is a payoff to like earlier when she's like, I don't have a vagina. But I also didn't yeah. think that line was very funny. I thought that was that line got crickets at the theater. Where I was at. Oh, really? Was like, oh, yeah. Oh, it was wow. like, oh, I feel like both times I saw it, people liked it. But I don't know. I thought I thought I liked both lines there. I thought they worked well for that. I thought it was a really just funny, weird note to end on something you wouldn't expect out of out of a barbie movie which i think is entirely why they did it that way um but yeah i feel like i have a lot more to say but yeah this has been long so let's let's wrap it up all right sweet tilden that's the end of barbenheimer who knows if we'll ever see something like this ever again um but we have one segment left which of course is the segment in which we talk about what we've been doing the last couple weeks so holden i'm going to ask you the question what 
are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, Jimmy, uh, haven't done a lot in terms of watching and playing things. I mean, I guess I've done some, but been so busy with moving and being on vacation. There's been a lot of things happening in my life. So um, I did, uh, aside from the movies we watched and reviewed here, um, I rewatched Borat just nice. kind of kind of randomly. <laughs> it was something that my uh, youngest brother hadn't seen yet. And I was like, oh, well, you know what? We got some time to kill. Let's watch Borat. Still very funny. Very good. Nice. Classic. Um, other than that, um, I have been watching, catch, just watching shows as they come out. Um, I watched the first episode of the new season of Black Mirror just because I had like an hour to kill. And I was like, I still haven't watched any of these. Is that um, the Selma Hayek one? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, have you watched that one? Yeah. Well, I was asleep for half of it. Okay. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I thought that one was all right. Uh, it wasn't it like was fantastic. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, it was, um, it, I mean, very, felt very, you know, prudent, right? like yeah. very <laughs> considering modern things ha- or like things happening with the strikes and everything. But, um, I was also surprised. It's like, I mean, we don't get black beer episodes that have a happy ending very much. So it was like yeah. one of like three I can think of. So that was interesting. Um, but yeah, did that. Um, other things I have been doing. I've been playing a little Ghostwire. I haven't played a ton of that. Um, I did uh, start, since I had my laptop here, but not my PlayStation or anything, I started the April Fool's Day game released on Steam called The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't know if you heard when that came out. Okay. Um, it's like a kind of... It's it's like a point-and-click kind of uh, mystery game where it's like a murder mystery where Sonic's been murdered or whatever, and you try to... Sol- and it's like an official game by Sega and everything. It was released as an April Fool's mm-hmm. Day joke, but when it came out, I heard it was like actually really good, and it's not very long. So I was like, oh, you know, if I have time on vacation, I'll play it. And it is pretty good so far. It's not too hard because it is like a Sonic game, so it's partially made for kids, um, but it is very unique and it's like a bizarre concept that I wouldn't think an official company would make about their property. Um, but I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah, other than that, Oh, I guess I did, um, also start, um, the new Auntie Donna show that they released in Australia called Auntie Donna's coffee cafe. Um, which I have, um, maybe turn to not the best means to watch because there's no official way to watch it here. <laughs> but it's also been out nice for like... ambiguous way of putting that. Yeah. Uh, it's also been out for like nearly a year at this point. So I kind of got tired of waiting. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's pretty funny so far. It's more of a sitcom than their previous show, but it's kind of interesting how they weave in like sketch material into that. It's kind of, it still works really well if you like the previous show. So, um, yeah, I think that's about it, Jimmy. What about you? What have you been doing? Well, if it makes you feel any better, old and auntie Donna, their creators are like, Hey, you could maybe go through less traditional means to watch it. If you that, yeah, they did. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> makes you feel better from that standpoint. Uh, Holden, I've actually watched a couple of things. I haven't played a ton of Horizon uh, because I was gone. Just I had literally my PS5 had been in a box for like two weeks because I had taken it to my parents' house to play uh, the quarry with my sister, and we didn't quite finish that, unfortunately, when she was here. So we'll have to finish that another time. Um, but I did, so outside of playing just a couple hours of Forbidden West, I did uh, on the plane... I rewatched for a movie, a movie that I had not seen in a long time. And I was like, I got to rewatch this movie. Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, Ooh, which Jimmy. is just a classic. My goodness. What a great movie. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, just so much fun. And mm-hmm. so like the characters are really good. Mm-hmm. That movie has no right being as good as it is and just is st- Again, I'm a huge fan of the swashbuckling adventure, and that is just definitely what that is. And it's nearly a perfect movie, to be honest with you. It. Um, the last time I watched it, I just remember thinking, like, this just is Indiana Jones with pirates. It feels... It's amazing. Yeah, it feels so much... It's so heavily... In, I mean, so many adventure movies are inspired by it, but it feels like they took, like that vague concept like let's make indiana jones with pirates and they include a lot of you know i mean they've they've got cg and stuff but they've got a lot of practical stunts and everything happening it's it's very exciting lots of contraptions and stuff it's it's great yeah a lot of it just feels real i mean Mm -hmm. obviously you got like zombie pirate moon or skeleton guys but even that is like a they look pretty good still they do look pretty good still and it's like an homage to like jason the argonauts too Mm -hmm. Um, is that the one with the skeletons? Am I quoting the right movie? I think so. Yeah. If, where they fight the skeletons at the end, but yeah, like I just, it was amazing. If you haven't seen that movie in a while, go watch it on Disney Plus. Incredible, great music, great acting, great characters, just mm. entertaining, thoroughly entertaining. I just amazing. <laughs> I'll have to watch the sequels and be disappointed. Uh, otherwise, I want you to see, you might like two and three. I, I still hold that two and three are actually, at least two is pretty good. You might not have seen them. I just don't remember them. Yeah. You might not dislike it as much as you think you will. Okay. Um, then on recommendation from my wife's uncle, uh, he's a big movie guy. I said, what movie should I watch on the plane ride back? He suggested the good nurse, um, with Eddie Redmayne, Jessica Chastain. Mm. It's a Netflix movie. It was pretty good. Um, it's based on a true story uh, that's pretty disturbing, but I think it does a really good job of like portraying the compartmentalization of people and how like we can have how we can be good people and have very dark sides, sure. and how we can kind of like switch them on and off. And okay. it brings up this question of like, how well do you know the people around you? Like, it's kind of creepy in that way. And the performances are very solid. I think it's not as tense as it could be because it, it you kind of know what's happening, and it's it, it, and like the character finds out, but you already know as the audience member, so it's not that mm-hmm. thrilling in that sense. But there are a lot of like underlying themes that I think work really well, so it's worth watching. It's a couple hours long. And then uh, lastly, uh, while we were on vacation, one of the nights we watched the movie Dodgeball, which is hilarious <laughs> and pretty good. It holds up pretty well. I, I haven't seen that since like middle school. Yeah, it's, it, it holds up pretty well. Ben Stiller is hilarious in that movie. 
Incredible. Um, so I would recommend revisiting Dodgeball at some point, too, if you haven't seen it in a while. Otherwise, that's it, Holden, for me. That's what I've been doing, which means next week we, we could see Haunted Mansion. It's an option. Uh, but I personally would prefer going to the movie Talk to Me, which is yeah. apparently very good. Yeah, we could do that. We could do Talk to Me. So, um, so hopefully we'll come back with Talk to Me next mm-hmm. week because apparently Haunted Mansion is very mediocre. Yes, which is too bad because it looks kind of funny. Um, so I think that's the plan next week. No Marvel show, right? That's it. Just talk to me then. Nope. Just talk to me. Um, Hopefully a little Tomp Eyes will return. Well, do you do you want to do that Invincible special? I don't have Amazon Prime, so. Oh, okay. I guess I should have mentioned in uh, What Are You Doing? I did watch that, and it was pretty okay. good. It was, nice. I really liked it. Gave a lot of backstory to a character that I think could have used more in the first season. So, yeah. so maybe that. Um, okay. If I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd have any other reason to get Prime right now. So we'll That's see. Fair. Maybe that. Talk to me next week. We'll talk to you. We'll talk next to week. you. See what, see what I did there. Well, then, all right, take us home. Yeah, if you want to leave us a request, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or email us at tauntpodcast.gmail.com or donate to our Patreon. And I believe that's it. Sweet. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, adios, pantalones. Love you. (laughs) 